Hey, this is Phil Nobile Jr. from Fangoria Magazine. You're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. It's 2020, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. This is episode 189, and it is brought to you by our Movie Podcast Network patrons. Typically on Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews for classics and new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. But today, we're bringing you one of our most popular annual shows. It's a new year, and we are looking back at the year gone by with our top 10 horror movies of 2019 where we will share with you our top 10 lists, as well as the HMP community's collective top 10 horror films of the year. This is Gilman Joel Robertson, joined by your horror hosts, Dave Dr. Shockmacker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh. They won't stop until they kill us, or we kill them. Okay, we'll get into our list in a moment. But first, Wolfman is going to take a look at the HMP Year in Review as a fun run down memory lane and as a resource for those of you who joined us later in the year, like Halloween or maybe even just joining us now. Who knows? All right, so Wolfman, do you have a 2019 recap for us? Yeah, I'll just go over some stats that I thought were a lot of fun from this year. In 2019, we did 39 feature reviews and 53 mini reviews for a total of 92 films reviewed on the show this year. That's not including all the other hundreds of movies we talk about during our theme discussions. Those are actual legit reviews. Of those, we brought you 49 reviews from films released in 2019. In addition, we also brought you feature reviews of one film from the 1920s, one film from the 1960s, four films from the 1970s, eight films from the 1980s, five films from the 1990s, eight films from the early 2000s, and 12 films from the 2010s. All of these, mind you, are spoiler-free, so we were working really hard to preserve your viewing experience. We went on to do spoiler-filled reviews of three, maybe four of those films. For the 2019 films that we felt we needed to dig in a little deeper on. And we don't have our tabulator here, Trey Whetstone. It would be nice if Trey could could go over some of these numbers and double check me on it. Because math is not my strong suit. But that is what I came up with. And I think that's a pretty impressive year for us. Considering all of the changes we went through. We lost a host. We gained a host. Joel and I both moved this year. Dave had a major surgery. 
like life-threatening surgery and survived. Not to mention I left the country several times. I mean, this has been a crazy year for us. We did a complete coverage of the Sundance Film Festival, including 13 film reviews from that last year. According to my calculations, we had 16 guests on the show this year. Some of those repeats as well as four filmmaker interviews. It was quite a year, and we thank you all so much sincerely for joining us on that ride. We have much more fun to come in 2020, and we hope you will stick with us. We promise to do our best to make it worth your while. We're bringing everything we got every episode here on Horror Movie Podcast. We're dead serious about horror movies. Thank you for that recap of our show during 2019, Wolfman. We've talked a lot in the past about being in a golden age for horror. How do we think 2019 stacked up? I've heard a lot of people say that this year was a disappointment for them, and I kind of get it. I kind of agree. I, you know, I, on one hand, I feel like there were maybe not as many knockout 10 out of 10 movies for me this year, but there were a whole lot of like seven or eights this year, way more than normal. Like I feel like we got a huge influx of just solid horror cinema. I think we got a lot more art house cinema. And so I think in terms of like trends or waves, I think we got a lot more slow burns this year than ever before. And I personally attribute that probably to the witch more than any other single film. I think you got all the movies that were inspired by the witch coming out this year. Mm -hmm. and There were a lot of them, but you know, I thought that was mostly a good thing. I, I think for me, it, one of my theories of what possibly could feel disappointing for me was that we were getting the second films from all of like the most exciting first time directors of the last decade. So it follows and the Babadook and get out and the witch and hereditary. We got the second film from all of those directors this year, which wow. is insane. I didn't even think about right. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And while all of them were high quality second films, there was no sophomore slump with any of them. I don't think any of them popped for me like those first films did. And so I think if I had any disappointment, that would be kind of where it was at. But I had a great year. I mean, I saw a, a lot of movies this year and pretty much everything I saw was kind of like above a five. You know, like I saw very few new 2019 movies that were not in that like five to 10 range. So to me, that's great to sort of put a number on it for me. My number 15, my last honorable mention is my lowest rating and it's an 8.5. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's funny every year I get this way towards, towards like the first six months of the year. I'm like, Oh, I wonder if this is the year where the air goes out of the balloon a little bit. But in the end, 2019 proved for me anyway, just as amazing a year for horror as the previous years. And I, I wasn't expecting that. And it, it was in the last few months that I started seeing all of these great movies. And, and a lot of them are ones I'm going to be talking about tonight. So I was very, very happy with 2019 uh, in the end. And there are some films on this list Let's put it this way. There are four films that could make my best of the decade, at least some of them in, in honorable mentions. And I don't know of any other year thinking back that I have that many from one year that could make my best of the decade. And that's saying something for me. Well, obviously, this year was uh, unique for me, being that um, I got the honor of being able to step in here at uh, HMP. So normally... 
a normal year for me is I try to see, you know, as many horror movies as I can, but I definitely do not try to um, mainline them the way I was this year. So this was, <laughs> it, it, it had been, it had been a long time. Like, honestly, the last time I tried to watch this many horror movies in a single year, guy, probably before my kids were born. Like, like that's the last time I got that many wow. in. You know, because and what was that? What was that like for you experientially? Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Both. Um, it obviously depended on the movie. I think the thing for me is I tend to be like, I like to savor things, I think, more. And I don't know if it's just a, as I get older, mm-hmm. you know, before I, like when I was like, when I was in high school, I'd rent, you know, five, six horror movies from the video store, plop down and have them all watched by the next morning. You know, it was like no problem. But now it's like when I, when I need to, because, you know, for time restraints and we're trying to get stuff done. And I know I've got to watch eight movies and I've got just a few days to watch them. And for me, uh, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to both of you for being ha- having done this as long as you have and being so proficient with that. But that's a new experience for me, at least new relative to where I am at this point in my life. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I don't feel I guess the thing is, I like to savor. So I like to like watch the movie and then think about it. And if I'm kind of going from one right into the next one or. I sometimes also need distance, I think, um, without giving anything away. Uh, as of this recording, I had watched a certain movie last night that I'd been meaning to get to. Um, it may or may not end up anywhere on my list, but I think it almost is like a weird strike against it that I had less than a 24-hour turnaround time for it. Like, I wonder if I'd maybe had a couple weeks to think about it and, you know, just kind of do a little, <laughs> uh, my own little inner soul searching of what I felt differently, what I maybe liked it less. I don't know. You know, I feel like I need that. So for me, it was a little bit, it was more of a challenge. Maybe that's a better way. It wasn't a good or bad thing. It was just more of a challenge. I mean, I... You know, I have never been a big list maker, and so until we started doing the podcasts, and so I was never one to like, I got to get all my movies in before the end of the year, kind of thing. Sometimes it would be like that before the Academy Awards because I wanted to see as many things on the ballot because I would always, you know, take part in kind of like an Oscars ballot type of thing. But you know, I it definitely doing the podcast, um, I cram a lot more than I would probably do naturally. You know, I I wouldn't. Like, for instance, sit down and watch six horror movies like I have in the last two days, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, is mm-hmm. that for me, I was really glad that we extended. So our recording got bumped back twice. And that was great for me because I got probably 11 more movies in since <laughs> yeah, wow. since we bumped the first time. And that impacted my list. I don't know that it impacted my top 10 per se, but it definitely impacted my honorable mentions. So I'll I'll tell you what it impacted my top 10, um, this last bump and it's been a few days. It impacted my top 10 in a very big way. And, um, I'm actually very happy for that, uh, that delay as well, because I'm happier with my list now than I was even a few days ago when we were originally going to record uh there was just one in particular and i'll you know obviously we'll go into that in a little bit but my list is is very different today than it was are there any films you guys didn't see that you worry may really change your list when you get a chance to see that possibly yeah oh for me definitely i did not see dr sleep And I really get the feeling that just from what I've heard about it and even from the trailer and how much I love The Shining, that that is one that could have definitely made my top 10. I did not get to see it. 
Another one is the Nightingale. I didn't get a chance to see the Nightingale either. Mm-hmm. One that I hadn't heard of until I started putting together the listeners lists was Antrim, the deadliest film ever made. That was one that came up a few times and I thought, hmm. never heard of it. I'd like to check it out. Um, there were a couple of movies. I think I saw all of the big ones. I think I saw all the big names, but there were a couple of movies that um, I would have liked to see one called the wrath, which is a South Korean film. That's on shutter. I really would have liked to get to that. Uh, the vanishing, which is on Amazon prime mm-hmm. looked really good. So, uh, but nothing. I think I got all the big titles this year. The only one that a lot of people are talking about that I didn't see was Belzebuth. So mm-hmm. I'm regretting not seeing that. But other than that, I think I saw every other. Oh, that's not true. I didn't watch Child's Play. <laughs> <laughs> I, but, you know, yeah, I was going to say that for me, really, the only one that comes to mind, there was a couple maybe smaller ones that I just didn't get to that I wanted to like haunt. I didn't get a chance to see that one. Uh, but the main one that I don't know if it would have made my list, if I'm being honest, but I was very intrigued by it was The Lighthouse. I didn't get to it. It's the main mm. big one that in my mind, I really wanted to try to get in. But I think that was it, though, for me. I mean, Beelzebub, actually, I started that one. That was one in the last two days that I started. And then things happened and I got distracted. It was interesting. I was it was interesting. I will say it starts off really bleak. <laughs> that is a that is yeah. a, a hell of a beginning. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see, Josh, how you <laughs> respond to that one. I think Lighthouse is the only big one. I, I feel like I also got in most of the big ones this year. All right. Well, I'm excited. Let's jump into these. Without further ado, then, we'll jump into our top 10 horror movies of 2019. And we're going to be going around the horn, taking turns revealing our top picks from 2019, as well as you, the listeners, list. And we're going to start from 10 and work our way down to number one. Then we'll do some honorable mentions. And reveal some of, of the other fun categories like our biggest disappointments of 2019 and our most anticipated of 2020, as well as some others. I just want to talk really briefly, if it's okay with you guys, about the listener list. Um, we always ask for our listeners to send in their lists in the past. We've done it via email, attempted to save time this year by doing it via a form. Didn't save enough time, but it did save a lot of time <laughs> in terms of the calculation. Um, and we really appreciate everyone who entered. We last year, we had 69 entries, I believe if I'm not mistaken. And I think that was our most we'd had. And this year we had 110. So uh, wow. big jump awesome. up. Yeah. And uh, hope to keep increasing that and get more next year. Uh, we are going to toy with, the uh, way to submit your list even more because we just want to make it go a little bit smoother and not have to spend 40 hours tabulating the results. But we really appreciate everyone who responded. The crazy thing about it was, you know, I was following the listeners results early on and there was, you know, like, uh, you you know, your number one movie of the year, there's maybe like 12 to 15 responses. And so it was really easy to kind of keep track of the charts. But then as it went on, you would think with more people, it would just keep building up those same films. But one thing I hadn't anticipated was just more and more unique titles. There were some entries where there'd be like 76 movies listed, you know, and it's just like, I've never even heard of half of these movies. But so for that reason, I want to put the complete listener lists um, on the website. Uh, You know what? That's, that's great. I mean, that 110, I mean, 
I think we really do have to streamline it though. If we, if, if we increase it from there, it, we've got to, <laughs> we've got to figure out a way to do it where we're, we're not putting in the, or not us, but you, Josh, putting in the work <laughs> you were putting in. We didn't do anything, but get the text from Josh saying I'm pulling my hair out here. <laughs> okay, and we're going to give away to one lucky listener, a DVD case logic case full of, I believe 61 or something like that. DVDs. Awesome. So, Stick around to the end of the show. Maybe even after the credits, we'll do that giveaway. Sponsored by listener Sean Taylor. Awesome. So thank you, Sean. Yes, thank you. That's great. All right. So beginning with number 10. My number 10. Drum roll, please. (laughs) I I wonder how many people will be surprised by this one. I feel like this is one of my more controversial ones to even have in the top 10, but we'll see. So my number 10 is Ma. So, oh yes there you go very and, very interesting and honestly nice. i think it's because the more i've thought about the movie and i thought about the movie quite a bit it's octavia spencer i think mm-hmm. she was just fantastic in this movie she and, and the other thing i thought about a lot with this movie is how much her portrayal in a way reminds me of andy wilkes and i'm such a massive fan of misery and of that character and then of course with castle rock season two just all that working in concert may have you know worked to ma's benefit i don't know but i just really enjoyed this movie way more than i thought i would so uh it is my number 10 that's you nice. know what that that's a night that that's a good i just saw that one recently myself and uh your comparison with annie wilkes i think is uh is apropos and i can certainly see why uh I can certainly see why you chose that one. It, it didn't make my list, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. And Octavia Spencer is is amazing in it, especially when you realize just what she's doing. Um, you know that it, that it's not just uh, sort of seeking approval; that there is a method to her madness. I also will say, uh, you know, minor spoiler for the listener list: it did not make the listener top ten or honorable mentions, but it. Not close. It probably came in the top 25 for the listener picks, which is still pretty high numbers reporting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I figured, that movie. I figured it was well, I've, I've heard like, after I saw it, because I don't think I was aware of what the real pulse of people was about that movie because I didn't hear much about it one way or the other. And then after I saw it, I bring it up to people. And usually the response I got was, oh, I haven't seen it yet, but everyone I know hates it. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, that seemed to seriously, there had to at least be three or four different people that that was their response. And so I was like, okay, well, I liked it. It was so it was for me. And uh, to carry this on, Dr. Shock, tell us your number 10. All right. My number 10 is Midsomar. Before I had a chance to see Hereditary, which was Ari Asher's debut feature film, it had a it had built up a reputation, and everyone was calling it one of the most frightening horror movies of the past few years. And I was impressed with Hereditary. I definitely was. It mm-hmm. didn't scare me like I was anticipating, and it was based on that hype. So it didn't end up making my top ten of 2018. This movie has this has me wanting to go back and watch Hereditary again. Um, yeah, this one walks a line, I think, between what is beautiful and what is terrifying. And it sometimes gives us both extremes at once. And it's this duality, you know, it's expressed, I think, perfectly in this, this scene, this brutal scene set at the base of a cliff, uh, that, that really drew me in to, to this, to, to the duality of this movie. And that plus the deliberate pacing really had me on the edge of my seat. I was waiting 
for these terrible things that I knew were coming. I mean, I think it's clear early on from the very first scene that Midsommar is building to an extreme, that the main characters, at least some of them, are doomed and maybe just don't realize it yet. And it's the journey towards the abyss uh, for me, you know, combined with Asher's sort of detached, unbiased, almost flattering depiction of the uh, the group at the center of his story that that really made this a rewarding experience. Now that I'm free of these early preconceptions and past the hype of Hereditary, I want to just experience it the way I did Midsommar. Mm-hmm. And my guess is I'll find it uh, more poignant, more unsettling this time around if I'm able to do that. Very cool. All right. So, Wolfman, what is your number 10? All right, man. Uh I was really struggling with parts of my list because like I said, in our introduction, I feel like I had a lot of excellent films in like the seven to eight range this Mm -hmm. year, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, man, I just cannot, I could, I had a hard time narrowing it down to five honorable mentions. I had very easily seven to eight honorable mentions. I was very pleased with my top 20 and really pretty pleased with my top 25. So that was nice. difficult, but then it was also really hard to figure out what I wanted to slide into that top 10, because as much as I loved all those top 25, I wasn't sure how many of them were good enough to be in my top 10. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. <laughs> so I struggled and struggled and I thought, do I want to do a lesser known film? I had a few foreign films that I wanted to shine a light on. And I just decided to kind of uh, give a middle finger to it all with my number 10. I'm going to go with Black Christmas from 2019. Wow. Yeah. A bold bold choice. (laughs) A bold choice. Listen, I wish I could say it was one I was making really confidently. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a film that was always in my honorable mentions. I always knew it was going to make my top 15 for this list. And nice. so I am, I was happy to bump it up to number 10 when um, I didn't, you know, I, I struggled with a few other placements. So mm-hmm. um, not my strongest spot on my list, but it's one that I'm, I'm film. I'm happy to give a little daylight, especially considering it's a difficult time that it's had I guess, right. with its reception. Right. So, and it, obviously to hear more, just listen to the previous episode our Christmas right. episode to, uh, to uh, understand your pick a little more, I guess. Okay. And the listener number 10 is crawl. Yes. Nice. Yes. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. So good job listeners. Um, I will say that was pretty definitive. The next one down, your, your first honorable mention was several points below. So pretty definitive number 10 there. People really like to crawl. And- um, I do not want to spoil my own list, but I am very, very happy to see crawl being in the top 10 for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> assumed. All right. And now it is time for our number nine horror movie of 2019. <laughs> And my number nine is, and this one actually might also get a, uh, get some people uh, stirred up just a little bit just because I put it this far back in my list, but I have a reason. And that number nine is Midsommar. And, I'm, mm. and, and I will say nice. it's, it's at least in my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't hate me too much. You know, for me, Midsommar was very conflicting because I, I mean, Hereditary... I, 
it was probably, in my opinion, the best horror movie of 2018, even though Halloween 2018 was my personal favorite. Um, but Midsommar, but, but Midsommar to me, I went in it with such a level of fear and anxiety just because of after my experience with Hereditary, I think that in a way maybe worked against it a little bit, but it right. was such a beautifully shot movie and it's, I, I mean, I just think it's a work of art, honestly. So uh, I had I to put agree. it somewhere in here. Um, and uh, that is my number nine, Midsommar. Nice. It's a great pick. And I don't think yep. anyone can fault you for including it. And really, people should not be giving you any crap about any movie that's in your top 10 in terms <laughs> right. of like, it's too low. How dare yes, you? Yeah, that's true. Right. I, I guess these are right. like our personal list. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You don't have to exactly. agree with me. All right. So, Dr. Shock, tell us your number nine. Number nine. Uh, we covered this movie recently on our Zomcom show, episode 186. Yeah. And what I love about it is it's an entertaining mix of a genre movie with a Jim Jarmusch film. It's The Dead Don't Die. Wow. That's not where I thought you were going with this, Dave. That's super exciting. It was yeah. definitely a movie that as I put my list together, I just over and over, I was like, wait a minute. I think like, wasn't there something else that I saw this year? And I kept forgetting <laughs> to add it to my list. So for me, it was that type of film where I just kept forgetting it. But man, I really have a fondness for this movie. I really, really yeah. love The Dead Don't Die. I do too. I mean, it it gives us the macabre and the quirky sort of an e equal measure. Uh, the characters, they're played by, you know, Jarmusch regulars like Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tom Waits, and a few others. They're always interesting, at least I found them so. And that little tweak Jarmusch gave the zombies, each one muttering a single word that kind of encapsulates either, either their last moments on Earth or what was most important to them while they were alive. I like that. I thought that was a cool touch. All the characters are a little strange, which is another sort of Jarmusch trademark, but <laughs> none more so than Tilda Swinton's coroner. Ooh, yeah. And I did enjoy where they went with that character. I, I know did. you did. I know you did. I, I did. I really did. Uh, again, it's a, it's a Jim Jarmusch film in every sense. Um, there, there's a scene uh, where this gruesome discovery is made at a diner. I mentioned this back in episode 186. Uh, one more, you know, one morning they walk in and there's this gruesome discovery, and we experience each of three separate characters walking in and seeing it. Now, in most other films, we'd see the carnage when the first character walks in, and then the reactions of the other two. But he spends <laughs> time with, yeah, ex if that even, right. He spends time with his characters and each one's reaction is important to him. But then it is a zombie film also. And you get all that sort of high drama and dread that goes with the subgenre. You know, there's a scene towards the end where uh, one of the main characters is there. Well, these two characters are, you know, out battling the walking dead. And one stumbles across someone who used to be an old friend of his. And he's like, no. Nope, Go ahead. I'm not going to bother. Go ahead. Just keep going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hurt you. Um, you know that whole thing of what happens when you see people who are so close to you and you know they're not the same person. There's that. There's that. That sort of that zombie uh, trademark in there. I guess. I like this one. It, for me now, it's up there with Mystery Train and Dead Man as one of my favorite uh, Jim Jarmusch films. Mm -hmm. It really is, and I can't wait to see it again. Now, have you seen Only Lovers Left Alive? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Okay, I that one is that a very one. different tone uh, from those others, that you, and so you might not like it as much. But because this is more similar to the Dead Man tone, okay. Um, but the Only Lovers Left Alive, 
in some ways it's my favorite Jarvis. But I almost don't want to say that because it's so different from his work. Like it feels like such a cool art house horror film. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I really love that movie. This movie, darn it. I, this is one I would have liked to include. And, th- and had I remembered it, this would have been another of those floating around in my top 25 that I wasn't sure if it should be at my number 10 or not. But nice. ultimately I'm glad I'm happy with my number 10. I, you know, this right. would, wouldn't make my top 10 or, or honorable mentions, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and slot it in on my list. Just FYI, this is my number 18. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> I really, I really liked this movie. Yep. All right. Wolfman, what is your number nine? My number nine is a film that I waited a long time to see. I didn't get around to it right when it came out. I knew from the moment I heard about it, I was going to love it. Uh, But it just, um, it was different than I thought it was going to be. I expected it to be higher on my list. Honestly, I thought this Mm. is probably going to be like in my top five, just from hearing about it and seeing glimpses of the trailer. Cause I was even avoiding the trailer. It's just so in my wheelhouse. My, one of my favorite movies of all time is clue. And my favorite type of vibe of movie is kind of a whodunit murder mystery. And this movie was not necessarily a murder mystery, but it had that same kind of jaunty feel to it. And it takes place in a big mansion. And I ended up seeing another movie like this. You know, we'll get to this when we get to our biggest disappointments. But for me, a lot of the time, my biggest disappointments are the movies that I wanted to be tens, but they're like an, eight or 7.5. Right. (laughs) You know, those are like the biggest disappointments. Those are the ones that hurt the most. And so for me, this was one of my bigger disappointments for the year, but I still absolutely loved every minute I was watching it. And that's uh, ready or not. Oh, nice. And I, when I saw knives out, I was also kind of slightly disappointed. And I thought, man, if I could have combined knives out with ready or not, that would be my perfect movie. You know, <laughs> like that, that's the one that would have been made for me, but nice. um, yeah, that's my number nine. I really enjoyed it. And yeah. uh, I'm sure other people will talk about it higher up. Right. At the, it was fun. It was a, it was just a, a, a fun movie and you know, the mansion, it did remind me as I was watching it, I was thinking of clue. You can't help, but you know, it's right. got that kind of fun feel. It's in a similar looking location. I'm sure clue was an influence on it. In fact, yeah. Absolutely. And to the listeners list here, again, a very definitive number nine. Uh, It's a big leap up in numbers from the number 10. It is Tigers Are Not Afraid. All right. We have a really smart listenership, so I shouldn't be surprised, but I always kind of am surprised to see a large community of horror fans embracing what is more of an art house film. Mm -hmm. I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm glad to see that people are saying yeah, I took a chance on that. It's a great pick. Absolutely. All right. So now we will move on to number eight, our number eight horror movie of 2019. And my number eight, I'm going to, I can't wait to get the response from one of you in particular. I'd, I'd be interested to see how this goes. My number eight is Sweetheart. Whoa. Yes. And this is one that affected my list after the first bump of our recording (laughs) because 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 I I was funny. You had left me a message, uh, Wolfman, saying, hey, if you guys get a chance, try to see this, this, this and this. And Sweetheart is one of them. And I so badly wanted to respond because I had just watched it like the day, the (laughs) night before. And uh, and and I was like, I was going to say I did. And I loved it. It wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Right. Just go in completely unaware about anything. Don't watch the trailer. Nothing. Just go into this movie. Yeah. Because that 
I had watched a little bit. I think I turned the trailer off after like 15, 20 seconds. I'm glad I did. I loved it, sweetheart. There's one creepy shot in the water of the film. Well, there are a couple of creepy shots, but there's one in particular that kind of reminds me of a shot in The Last Jedi, actually, as well. But it impacted me. We talk about Jaws and how certain things keep you out of the water. Having spent my last summer in Fiji and Hawaii, that shot impacted me more in terms of like getting freaked out in the ocean than any shark movie I've ever seen. Or, you know, <laughs> I was just like, Ugh. Yeah. It, if it would come to mind, it would just kind of flash through my imagination. I'd go, <laughs> have to like, like look around. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing I, w- I will say, I really appreciated about this movie is that it has a lot to say. You know, and not not to derail us and get us into a, a another Black Christmas type episode, but I feel like it had quite a bit of social commentary in it. But mm-hmm. it was it was no pun intended more under the surface. Uh, you know, it, but it is oh, def- yeah. it is definitely there. And uh, I it, I just it was a very interesting movie, and I was just so pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, that is why Sweetheart is my number eight. Awesome, Doctor Shock. What is your number eight? My number eight is. Uh Joel's number eight. It's a movie that was first mentioned on episode 167, the Sundance coverage. It is J.D. Dillard's Sweetheart. Very nice. Uh, First (laughs) off, I love movies that have this sort of beach, oceanside setting, and Mm -hmm. especially films where they take place in what is normally a tropical paradise, and they turn it into something that's terrifying. Uh, I'm actually an unapologetic fan of Danny Boyle's The Beach from 2000. Oh, I love that movie. I, I do a too. Fantastic film. I do too. I know a lot of people like to dump on it, but I really like The Beach. I'd actually put Sweetheart even a little ahead of The Beach, and I do like The Beach wow. a lot. Wow. Um, I don't know if I go that far. Wow. It's it's a creature feature and a damn good one. There's a terrific performance by by Kiersey Clemens as Jen, who's left alone for a fair portion of the movie's 82 uh, minute runtime. It's just her. The monster, I thought, got the perfect amount of screen time, limited early on, more as the story progresses. And um, what's interesting is that it's obviously been around for a long time. We learn very little about it over the course of the film, and I like that. I like that because it keeps it at a distance and it keeps it frightening. It's a brisk, entertaining monster movie, and if you haven't seen it, you should. It's streaming on Amazon right now. It's, It's definitely worth checking out. Good one, Dave. I like it so much. I decided to make it my number eight. No, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trio. I, has that ever happened before? Where I all three of us have know. had the same, the same at the same number? I'm not sure. That's interesting. <laughs> you know, this was a movie. We're coming up on Sundance 2020 here in a couple of weeks. And this was a movie that I saw almost one year ago as we record this at last year's Sundance Film Festival. And as you mentioned, I I got to interview the director, which was a lot of fun. And if you haven't heard that yet, people can go back and check that out. And I've kind of felt like I've been championing this film for a long time. It's been a long road to hope, but also I just wanted to see it again because I wasn't sure. You know, you see a movie, this kind of heightened circumstances of a film festival, you see it once and then I've been kind of unable to revisit it at the time. They didn't know who was going to distribute it. Blumhouse produced it, but they were trying to sell it. They thought they were going to sell it to a bigger distributor and, and weren't going to distribute it themselves. And so it's a, it's a film that um, I've just been waiting and waiting for that Blu-ray to drop. And I'm still waiting. Yeah, yeah me Blu-ray? too. Me too. I'm waiting now too. I, I can't wait for it to come out. 
I hope they release one. I, I've almost bought the DVD because it's been out for a little while, but I will. Yeah, I will mention it is on Netflix if people want to check it out also. So it's mm. it's available to see a lot of places and the DVD is out. But man, I would love and Blumhouse has been disappointing me a lot lately with their DVD release. But I would love to see a really nice Blu-ray release of this with some special features and yeah. commentary because the director was very interesting. The the experiences they had in Fiji that they shared with me in my interview, I thought were a lot of fun. So anyway, I, I really love sweetheart. I think it's hilarious that it's all three of our number eights. It was my number 10 for the, probably the last six months. Wow. And uh, I thought, yeah, I'm just going to bring this on here because I, I want to make sure that, um, that I mentioned it and the little film that could, and then I rewatched it on Netflix and I thought, no, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really <laughs> kicked is. it up a few spots. Absolutely. Now moving over to the listeners list. And again, another definitive pick and another huge leap up in terms of the number of votes. This one got, this was the one I was most pleasantly surprised to see on here. Most excited to see on the listeners list is one cut of the dead at number eight. Awesome. Yes. That is an excellent pick. It is. And it's another one of those where it's like, I'm not sure if they were going to go for it or not. So it's nice to see. And I don't, I'm not saying that we're the ones that told everyone about it, but it's certainly a film we championed. And yeah. so I was glad to see that people responded well to it. Yeah. I think we should totally take credit for it. It is purely because <laughs> absolutely of this show. <laughs> I, it doesn't, who cares if we, if we deserve it or not? Yeah. Who cares if the movie had, you know, been out in other parts of the world for years? Hey, who cares? It's totally yeah. us. It's, totally us. it's been you know, a buzz film for yeah, of course. You know, two years. Yeah. Well, the point is we, we all can uh, definitely appreciate that. And I think we're all very happy to see it enter the top 10 of the listeners. Yeah. All right. And now it is time for our number seven. In my number seven horror movie of 2019, I'm actually getting a little nervous. It occurs to me like this is my first time. Like you guys are being so gentle with me. I'm, I'm just so <laughs> thankful. And uh, I, this is due to the fact that we had a second bump in our recording. So I'm really thankful because this is my number seven, The Nightingale. Oh, nice. Yes. And, 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 and Josh, I love you, but I'm going to take you marginally to task. Because when really? you re- yes, because when you you reviewed this movie, I believe you said something to the effect of it's I mean, it is a horror, it's kind of a horror movie, dude. If I spit on your grave, Last House to the Left, and Revenge <laughs> from 2018 are horror movies, this movie is a horror movie. Yeah, and I, I I think yeah, I mean it's yeah okay. I think you were burned out on slope. No, but mate, in your defense, in your defense, not that you need me to defend you, but I feel like maybe at that point you were kind of burned out on the whole slow burn thing. So that yeah. might have been a contributing factor, but going into this movie, kind of not, I wasn't saying I wasn't expecting, but you know, after a review, I think, okay, it'd be kind of like probably like a really nice period piece with some, you know, maybe moments in it, you know, kind of like, like kind of like with Parasite. Like I, a lot of people have said they thought Parasite was a horror movie to me. It was a very good, dark comedy drama that has a scene in it that you could argue is horror, but that doesn't either into there. The Nightingale for me was so upsetting. <laughs> It was so, yeah. uh, I, I, I'm not going to lie, dude. I almost started to sob. At one, there's a part in this movie. It is so, my God, it is, it, it is tremendous. And that's why, Dave, yeah. I can't wait for you to see this because yeah. I'd uh, love to get your insights. Oh, and I'm, I'm anxious to see yeah, it now. Man. Very much so. Yeah. <sighs> so just uh, such a good movie. It's a really hard to watch, <laughs> it's, it's, but it's a great movie. Yeah. I don't know if you want to throw any more shade my way, Josh. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think it's just one of those things where compared to the other things I'd been watching around that time, okay, too, that's so fair. context is everything. Sure, it, sure. Felt, it felt kind of in the horror adjacent category to me. I think the biggest thing I had going against it was that the Babadook, frankly, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, that's fair. That's not a fair point. But I feel like, you know, and you made that. I think that was when you said like, it was the last of the Mohicans comparison you made yeah. and I could see it but I'd say if Last of the Mohicans was a horror movie <laughs> and then that would be <laughs> The Nightingale yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to go too far down that rabbit hole the fact is for me it was very real life horror and uh, very effective but yes I could see how if you're watching a lot of other things and then you got the Babadook on the brain that would definitely be a factor yeah and then here's the other thing for me I think you know there are obviously many types of horror be it supernatural monster movie a revenge film is I think one of the mm-hmm. subgenres of horror that we see play out very often I'm totally fine with that I think you know as we approached our lists I didn't want to tell anyone what they could or could not include sure. on their list sure and so this one that for me personally you know it would it's it's writing that line of horror adjacent but I'm totally fine with it being on your list as just as I would be if it was on the listener list or any other list so all right all right so dr shock tell us your number seven my number seven is actually the listeners number eight it's another movie from our zomcom show it is the japanese zomcom one cut of the dead very cool uh it's 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 got so many clever twists and turns throughout it and that's what makes it so entertaining um unlike other movies and we mentioned this on episode 186 the horror is up front And the second half of the movie centers more on something else, but in a way that added to the enjoyment of the first half, you know, it's, it's about a film crew. Yes, but it's a lot more than just sort of this look inside the filmmaking process. It's so smart. It's so creative and also Mm -hmm. eye opening in a way it shows the pitfalls of sort of low budget filmmaking, how creative minds can take what seems like an artistic disaster and turn it into something special. Mm -hmm. And it does that time and again throughout the, throughout the uh, second half of the movie. I love that. Um, And even if you don't like comedy in your horror, I think you're going to enjoy one cut of the dead. I think in this case, the whole adds up to more than the sum of its parts. Hmm. I yeah. really do. All right, Wolfman, what is your number seven? Okay, my number seven is Tigers Are Not Afraid. Nice. That was a movie that I really loved uh, when I first saw it. We talked about it on the show. It's uh, directed by Issa Lopez. She's now working on a werewolf western with Guillermo del Toro. So I'm over the moon about that. Awesome. And uh, I just love the unbridled creativity here. That's really a lot of what I'm looking for in these films as we get through my list. You know, I'm okay with a nice, simple, straight ahead film like sweetheart for instance is kind of simple by in a lot of ways and a lot of these slow burdens they feel kind of simple but the movies that really have an impact on me are those that kind of knock me out with their creativity and that's kind of what right. i'm always hoping for and so i i was just really blown away by this film and look forward to more from Issa lopez awesome Okay, back to the listener picks another definitive one here at number seven it is the lighthouse all right nice. awesome yeah. and again i i like seeing our listeners take a chance on a film that some people might say isn't a horror movie you know mm-hmm. for me it definitely was a horror movie but i you know it's exciting i think yeah that's great i, I that the, like i said at the the top of this that's what the one i that got away from me so hopefully i will be seeing it here soon i'm glad to see it's on the list though that's excellent awesome 
All right, and now it's time for our number six horror movie of 2019. All right, my number six is One Cut of the Dead. Nice. Of course awesome. it is. There is no <laughs> way this movie was not going to be on my top 10 list. I mean, no way. I will say this one floated uh, for a while between number five and number six. It's, oh, it's been in that arena for me for most of the time. But uh, I think when I first saw it, it was like in my top three because I don't know if I had seen a couple other ones at that point. But but uh, it, right. it, it is such a great movie. Um, I can't sing its praises enough. So if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, go get on uh, Shutter and check it out for sure. And use promo code HMP when signing <laughs> up. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dr. Shock, what is your number six? Okay, my number six is a movie that snuck up on me. It's writer-director Billy Sinise's The Dead Center. Oh, I have not seen that one. I don't even know if I've heard of that one. Yeah, I'll give you a synopsis real quick. A suicide victim is rushed to the hospital where he dies on the operating table. The body is transferred to the hospital's morgue where during the night the body wakes up stumbles unseen into a nearby room and lays down in an unoccupied bed. From there, the movie branches off in two directions. A coroner called in to do an autopsy on the dead man now tries to find out what happened to the body, while at the same time, the suicide victim, back among the living and discovered by a confused orderly, he's in a catatonic state and transferred to the psych ward where he's put in the care of Dr. Daniel Forster, played by indie filmmaker Shane Carruth, who slowly uncovers the mystery surrounding his new patient. While the patient doesn't remember his name, he knows there's something evil inside of him, an evil he tried to destroy but only made stronger by his attempted suicide. Now, this is a, this movie builds slowly. It's kind of yet another 2019 slow burn. But the performances, as well as its really set, intriguing setup at the beginning, you know, I just gave you the synopsis, were enough to keep the, my attention early on. But once the terror takes hold, this is full-blown horror, and it leads up to a gut punch in the final 15 minutes that will mm. blow you away. Wow. It's, it's refreshingly cheaper jump scares. Uh, it relies more on a sense of foreboding, I think, throughout the movie. And it builds slowly by the dual investigations being carried out. You know, the coroner and Shane Carew's doctor trying to figure out, get to the bottom of this guy. You know, what is it? What What is it with this guy? It all leads to a climax that is going to stay with you for days. I was not expecting this movie even to make my list when I watched it. And it just sort of blew me away. It is the dead center. Wow, man, that is one that I have not heard anything about. I'm a massive fan of Shank Ruth, so yeah. I could not be more excited about checking this one out. I, I, I would be very interested to hear what you think of it. That's super exciting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Dave. Yep. And Wolfman, please tell us what your number six pick is. Uh, my number six is The Lighthouse. I'll just say it. This is one that I did not anticipate would make my list. I don't know. There was something about... The trailer that I just thought, ah, I don't, I'll get to it if I can get to it, but it's not one, you know, it just doesn't look like my cup of tea. And I don't know why exactly I thought that. I think, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. I think I did get a little bit slow burned out this year. I think that right. was definitely part of the problem. And I can understand that. That was a that was a big part of 2019. No yeah, doubt about it. <laughs> it sure was. And so I, you know, I don't know. This is just one that didn't particularly appeal to me. Obviously, everyone loves The Witch. I do too, but it's just another one that I just thought, yeah. I mean, if I if I get to it, I'll get to it. it, it I I just was not. Um dying to get around to it and but mm-hmm. because we had our bumps because we had to bump back our schedule a couple times i had time to watch this one and man i will tell you and i wrote this in my letterbox review of the film of the many 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 slow burn art house horror films of 2019 in which we watched someone slowly go insane this is my favorite one <laughs> this this would be my favorite nice. um you know and i think this movie illustrates that uh, robert eggers and, and the witch it wasn't a fluke you know he, right. this is repeatable and i think and i also wrote this in my letterbox review i think this does for sea monsters and lighthouses what the witch did for witches in the woods you know it's mm-hmm. it's, it's light on the on the monstrous content in terms of uh, how much of it we get in the film, but those moments are so powerful and just the images are so breathtaking. And I just love Willem Dafoe in this role. I think, yeah. you know, I, I wrote, man, I guess I'll just keep referring back to my uh, letterbox review, but if I, I wrote watching Willem Dafoe speak these words in that beard feels like a privilege. And I just, you know, and <laughs> I stand by that too. You know, I love the black and white presentation. I felt like it made these really dark human moments feel even darker. And I felt like it made the light and, you know, especially this light of the lighthouse feel even more magical and um you know this is a film that deals with magic realism robert pattinson who i've never really loved in a movie before he's been okay in some other things i've seen Mm -hmm. like he hasn't uh, there have been good movies that he's been in but i've never watched a movie and been like oh i really enjoyed robert pattinson this is the one where i was like man i loved him in this movie right this year's high life would probably be second uh he was good in that as well but man Mm -hmm. yeah i I was just like, okay, cool. I'm getting a mustache and a rain slicker for Christmas this year. That's <laughs> the direction I'm going. This guy looks cool. <laughs> anyway, nice. I, I, I love this one. It really worked for me. And I guess it was, it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was partially that surprise factor that really bowled me over how much I enjoyed it. So the lighthouse is my nice. number six. Nice selection. Awesome. Okay. And then going over to the listener list, the listeners collective number six is ready or not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> That's great. I love to see that. That's yep. awesome. Yep. I was really surprised by the explosive ending, let's say, that happened in that <laughs> film. And, uh, uh, That's great. Yeah. I'm glad to see it make the listener list at number six. All right. We've made it to the halfway point. It's now time for our number five horror movie of 2019. All right. Uh, I feel so nervous. It's ridiculous. My number five is Ready or Not. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yes. Yeah, again, there is no way I knew from the moment I saw this movie, it was going to be in my top 10. Just do it. I was like, either that or we were going to have like one of the greatest years of horror movies in the recent memory. Right, right. And I think it's fantastic. I think Samara Weaving is amazing. I love just how everything unfolds. It is all, It is so much fun. It is one of the 
most fun experiences I had in the movies this year. So for me, number five, ready or not. Dr. Shock, your number five. Okay, my number five is a film that tackles, at least in part, schizophrenia and mental illness and does so in a manner that takes us inside those illnesses in a terrifying way. And it's director Adam Egypt Mortimer's Daniel Isn't Real. Interesting. Now, synopsis real quick. A troubled college freshman, Luke, played by Miles Robbins, is reintroduced to his charismatic childhood imaginary friend, Daniel. Patrick Schwarzenegger plays him to help him cope with the stresses of life, not realizing how dangerous Daniel is. That's an IMDb synopsis. Now, saying this movie is all about mental illness and schizophrenia isn't entirely accurate. We realize as the story progresses that there's more at play in Daniel Isn't Real than just psychological horror. But by focusing on the lead character's relationship with his mentally disturbed mother, played so well by Mary Stuart Masterson, Mm -hmm. and his eventual belief that he himself might have inherited her afflictions, keeps the subject of mental illness squarely in the picture throughout, especially towards the end when one character finds their psyche trapped in this enclosed space. Uh, The performances are all strong, and while many psychological horror films end on an unsatisfying note or fail to conjure up the scares when they're most needed, Daniel Isn't Real delivers on both fronts, at least I felt it did, and I'm anxious to see it again because I think with all its nuances, it's one of those rare psychological horror films that will stand up to repeat viewings. Hmm. Uh, the listeners were really loving on this one. I saw this uh, some really high marks for this film coming in and really loving loving reviews. Miles Robbins, I liked okay, and I loved him in Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this guy's cool. Who is this guy? And so it was fun to see him back. He looks like uh, the guy who plays Jughead on Riverdale a little bit. It's like okay. my mind was playing tricks on me. I kept thinking it was him. <laughs> I didn't realize this was Patrick Schwarzenegger. So this must be Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Yes, it is. Yes, it okay. is. I did not realize that. That's interesting. And yeah, Mary Stewart Masterson definitely added a lot to it. That's cool. Good pick. Thank you. And Wolfman, what do you have for number five? My number five is a little film that is, and it is a little film. It's it's a film that feels like a small story and it just so happens to be a sequel to one of the biggest horror epics of all time and this is dr sleep which is nice. a, a sequel to the shining it's interesting how this movie plays out and and how it in large degree it pulls off these scenes that are reshot in the world of the shining um in a way that's really impressive on what I, I can only assume must be on a far, far, far smaller budget. And probably when you may, are making a movie like Dr. Sleep, where most of the movie takes place in our world, it's hard to convince uh, you know, a studio be like, but I also just need to build the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they managed to do it. It's good. I mean, there I would say there were a, a little bit too much shining in the movie for me, to be honest, which I really surprises me that I am saying that mm-hmm. uh, that would be my only critique with the film is it felt like they just tried to squish a little bit too much in. Like it feels like it spoils some of the mystery of the shining to me, which is so great to kind of try to do it in shorthand here. That would be my only complaint with the movie. I love the original story that it's telling. I would have liked even more time for that. And I love the inclusion of the shining world. It was so exciting as a film fan to see that stuff. I just, you know, I think they could have pulled that 
there's just literally one scene in particular on the stairs that mm-hmm. I thought if they just pulled this back a little bit, I I would like this movie like 25% more. It would be my number three instead of my number five. Wow. <laughs> but I but I really like this. And I and I go into this with a huge bone to pick with Ewan McGregor. I, I don't like him as a person. <laughs> right, so, right. I know so that. Yeah. I, I, being able to overcome that and have it live up to one of my favorite films of all time, The Shining, it's really, you know, it's shocking that i like this as much as i did i mean i really wow. really enjoyed it. i cannot wait to buy this uh it's exciting i can't wait for you to see it dave i can't wait to see it i, I really can't and it's i liked how they just in the trailer how they how they sort of recreated those the overlook hotel because mm-hmm. that set was basically demolished. i mean that room where jack nicholson in the shining is throwing that ball against the wall that became yeah. the snake pit in raiders of the lost ark so those oh, sets are yeah. gone, and yet they're still able to recreate them. I love that, and and yeah. I cannot wait to see this. I really and I would can't. say mostly it feels like it's the same scale. There are a couple times because it was such a giant set, like they can't always completely pull off the majesty of the Overlook. I would say once or twice I was like, okay, I can feel that they're not working with the same budget as the original. But right. I would say mostly I thought it felt like I was just in the Overlook Hotel. I thought we were there. You know, and I right. and that is amazing that they were. That's able to all. That. I got that from the trailer. I really did. I got that from the trailer that we were back at the Overlook. I got yeah. that same feeling. So it's so well done. I think. I mean, I am a, kind of a Stephen King file. I I could live in his worlds forever. I just love the way he creates them. And so when a filmmaker like Mike Flanagan comes along, who can execute material in a watchable way, you know, I think. Um, Man, I could. It's they're just some of my favorite worlds to inhabit. So nice. Really, really love this movie. Awesome. And for the listeners, top five, it is Bezelbuth. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is surprising. <laughs> really? I mean, I just no. I mean, it's it's. I really did like Bezelbuth. I think I've talked about it on the show before. It just, you know, I, I'm very surprised that it made their their number five. That's that's great. I think that's yeah. great. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. But it, it was uh, it was a strong finisher. It was it wasn't too far above Ready or Not, but um, it was far above everything else uh, below it on the list. So, all right, and now we're on the other side of the line. It's time for our number four horror movie of 2019. <laughs> All right, my number four. <clears throat> Again, everyone remembering, these are our personal favorite lists. <laughs> and I, I have, there. there is a, a deep, deep, deep well of nostalgia connected to this movie. And, oh, no. Uh, okay. <laughs> my number four is scary stories to tell oh. in the dark. I, oh, interesting! Uh, uh, I love nice. the fact that you both did the the, the most patronizing. Oh, like if we were, <laughs> no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I like I like scary stories to tell in the dark. I enjoyed it. Well, here's the thing: this was my goosebumps. Okay, because I was too old yeah. for goosebumps when goosebumps came around, which would have been totally my jam if I'd been more of a '90s kid than an '80s kid. But scary right. stories were the one I yeah, found these when I was like eight, nine, however old I was, and I just loved. I mean, Guillermo del Toro 
produce this thing. I know he had a pretty heavy hand in it. If uh, And honestly, this thing moved up, I think, even higher after I watched some behind-the-scenes things on it because oh, so, really? so much of this thing was practical. Um, uh, it did not get into too much, but uh, the, if you're familiar with the, that book series, The Jangly Man, it was actually a contortionist. I mean, this was, they did as much as they could like in camera, in the moment, and I just really enjoyed this movie. And honestly, as PG-13 horror movies go, this thing had some friggin' nightmare fuel. I think if I had seen this as a kid, it would have traumatized me, like the books did. So honestly, I feel like it was a perfect uh, encapsulation of what the books did because it's like, it's kind of for kids, but it's kind of not for kids. So um, I loved it. Yeah, so number four for me, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that wasn't me trying to be patronizing. I, I, there's another <laughs> film that's connected to your nostalgia that I keep waiting to hear come up, and I thought it might come up lower on the list. So I, I'm I'm really wondering if it's going to be an honorable mention or it here in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the one I think it is, uh, I, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm not going to say that because I'm, I'm fascinated to know which movie this is, although I have a theory. I have a theory as to what it might be. All right. I was ple- I was pleased to hear that this is scary stories to tell in the dark, and this was one the listeners absolutely loved. It just barely missed their honorable mentions. It was it was a. Uh it was missed it by a hair. Yeah. So yeah, I didn't watch nice. this until actually, I think this is another one that was due to the bump because, um, my wife and I rented it a few nights ago and I, I just, I was one of that, one of those, it was on the list of like, Oh, I want to try to get to, I want to try to get to it. And I didn't get to see it in the theater. I loved the books, the kid. And honestly, if I'm being honest, when I went into it, I had such low expectations. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking this will be a PG-13 horror movie. I'm sure it'll be a lot of jump scares and a conjuring wannabe, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I kind of, I had that, I was doing that in my head, if I'm being uh, fully And I think because it was so not that for me, and it did, and the, the creature design work, everything was so spot on. I was like, oh my God, I love this movie. This And it's a Halloween movie, it takes place around Halloween time, so it's one of those you can watch every, I just, oh. Very cool. Yeah, very happy with it. So that's my number so, yeah, I guess this is one of the major ones that I didn't see. And I, I, yeah, I, I think for me, I was right between the goosebumps generation and the scary stories generation, you mm-hmm. know? And so I, mm-hmm. neither of them were kind of part of my lexicon, but that's definitely one I, w- I wouldn't want, wouldn't mind checking out based on your recommendation, your review. Right and there, as much so. as I can't wait to hear his take on Nightingale, Dave's take, I cannot wait to hear your take on this. Cause I, right. I would be willing to wager money. I don't know that you'll love it as much as I did. I just have a feeling at this point, I have a good sense of your tastes and such. I think you'll at least, at the very least, very much appreciate it. I just think you will. So, what about your kids? Is this a movie your kids I tried could watch? to get them to watch it with me, and I showed my oldest the trailer, and he just looked at me like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when that, when, when, hey, when the, when the zombie comes, it's in the trailer. Not to give anything too much away, but the zombie missing its toe starts walking down the mm-hmm. hall. My toe, right. and the kid's hiding. <laughs> under, oh my god, my kid was like, oh, oh. There's yeah, <laughs> there, 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 some there is straight moments. up nightmare fuel yeah. in this movie. Absolutely, visually, just uh, and you can see Guillermo del Toro's hand in it too. Like you can see, I think his influence, which is really cool. All right, so Dr. Shock, tell us your number four. Okay, now is when it gets interesting. All of my top four films <laughs> spent time as my number one movie of the year. Wow. All, all of them. And ranking them was no easy task. I actually changed the order again like a couple days ago. All four are 9.5s for me. And if I could, I would present them as a four-way tie for number one. (laughs) But I can't. I don't think I would anyway, because I agree that's BS. So anyway, here goes. 
My number four is a movie we covered on episode 171. It's Jordan Peele's Us. Nice. And Us reinforces what Get Out showed us in 2017, that Jordan Peele is a filmmaker and storyteller extraordinaire, and he has tremendous instincts. Uh, I didn't go into this during our review on episode 171. At least I don't think I did. But when I saw Us in the theater back in March, I was really sick. I mean, 2019 was a tough year for me health-wise, at least early on. And four times during the movie... I actually thought I got to go. I got to get up and I got to leave. I was that sick. I thought I was that I was really that ill, but his direction and the way it drew me into the story is what kept me sitting there from the opening scene in in, at that beachside carnival. I was hooked and it shot so skillfully that even in that state, even in that state where I thought I'm so sick, I can't sit here. I couldn't think of anything else but that opening scene and what I would miss if I got up and left. Like Get Out, it tells a frightening story that also holds a mirror up to society in a way that's poignant without being too preachy. And that's what I really love. I think even in us, he accomplishes that more. I have it in my schedule to watch this and Get Out as a back-to-back double feature this year, and I can't wait to do it. So this, And it was number one for a long time for me. It's us, and I think it's it's damn near a masterpiece. Wow, that's awesome, Dev. Yeah. And Wolfman, what is your number four? My number four is Ariaster's Midsommar. Nice. So I, awesome. I think yeah, I, I think Jordan Peele has talked about really loving the idea of, and like you talked about, Dave, when you when you mentioned this film, just kind of this delineation of beauty versus horror mm-hmm. right and um and and jordan peele calls it idyllic horror he likes to make horrific things happen in these idyllic circumstances you know and i i really can't believe how far they took that concept <laughs> in so far. i mean it right. is bright and beautiful 99 percent of this movie yeah, is it really is colorful completely lit like by a sun as though there's a spotlight on every corner of every room i mean it's not like a dark and creepy movie by any stretch of the imagination but it won't completely mess with your mind and life i mean it mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, <laughs> it's, it had a huge impact on me, and I thought nice. it was really scary. And I thought the performances were fantastic, particularly the lead. And I, I was just was glad. You know, we had several of these movies, as I mentioned up top, the second film from so many of our stars of the last decade. Yeah, really and, and it, you're right. There were a lot of them this year. There yeah. really were. So it was great to see Ari Aster back and just knocking it out of the park. So Midsommar. Beautiful. I, I, it's 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 a great movie. I can't wait to watch it again. I really yeah, can't. I want to see the director's cut. That's what I want. That, that, and there is a. I think that was released to theaters. I don't know that that was. That's not part of the Blu-ray that came out a little bit ago. Right. It was a select theater or film festival kind of deal. But right. I would love to see that on Blu-ray. I thought it was the Blu-ray I bought, but I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I thought the same thing, and it's not. And the listeners' collective number four is. It chapter two. All right. Yeah, it's a. It's funny. There are these films that uh, seem to be the most controversial, where they're showing up on people's disappointments list and at the very top of their favorites <laughs> list. You know. And I'm assuming it chapter two is one of those. It is one of those. Yes. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you what. I it, 
and I did see it chapter two. I, I will say this. It is much better than part two for me anyway of the 1990 <laughs> miniseries. <laughs> yes, that would be the understatement of both 2019 and 2020. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now it's time for our number three horror movie of 2019. Top three, baby. Oh, man. I, I don't know why I'm like actually nervous about this, but I'm stuck. I'll tell you right now, this, <laughs> once I saw the three movies that are my top three, I knew what my top three was. There was a while there, if, I, if full disclosure, ready or not, was actually in my top yeah. three, and then it got bumped out. But my yeah. number three is one that is the other one I cannot wait for Dave to see and tell us about, which is Dr. Sleep. Uh, I, I am, I'm so upset that I, that I didn't get a chance to see this. I really think this might've somehow snuck its way onto my top. I think 10. your list will need an addendum. Feeling. You'll need like an amendment. Yeah. To <laughs> I, I probably will. I probably will. Yeah. For me, it just, I, I, again, I have a real deep appreciation for the shining. I think it is an absolute masterpiece and a work of art. I connected much stronger to this story. I feel is the best way to put it. It's huh, not it's that's a really good way of putting it, Joel. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not like, I think that this is a, 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 a better like masterwork. Like I don't, I, I mean, as much as I love Flanagan, I think he's freaking amazing. And is one of my top working uh, filmmakers, certainly in the genre and, and beyond. Um, I, I feel like this is not at the artistry level necessary of what, Kubrick was doing you know and I mean that's like state the obvious right uh, I mean, it, that movie is something unto itself but when it comes to character and story and my connection on an emotional level this movie really got to me and I, oh. I just I mean to me like Rebecca Ferguson is Rose the Hat I mean all of those elements were just so good and there's some moments of genuine horror in this movie too um i'll mm -hmm. just i'll just say take me out to the ball game and leave it at that um <laughs> there there is there is some stuff boy and it's 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 great um and i just um and i and i think flanagan honestly in my opinion is one of my top uh filmmakers just working today he's just he's fantastic so dr sleep is I my am, number three I am, I am so anxious to yeah. see this one i really am i cannot wait and the um the Blu-ray that's coming out, I believe, beginning of February on the fourth, has the three-hour director's cut. Oh, I'd heard that. Yes, oh, I'm really looking forward to that. Yes, yeah, because and that's, and that's the thing that you could say about this movie. It's already what two and a half hours long. It for right. me, I know some people complained they thought it dragged. For me, it didn't. It was so rich, and just uh, I mean, and uh, the and again the characters and Cliff Curtis. I mean, just everybody, everybody involved in this movie to me was just fantastic. Well, that that will be the only version I'll have ever seen. Oh, because well, I'm good. just okay, going cool. to go right into the three-hour nice. director's nice. cut. Nice. That's interesting. And honestly, like, the stuff I want more of is the non-shining Yes, yes. You know what I, I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. I loved the parts of it where that's there, but I I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll shut up. <laughs> it's like a movie you just want to talk about. But uh, yeah. Yeah, Dave, I can't wait to you. I can't wait to you re reviewing it. Then maybe we can do like a spoilery section. Actually, be great. We could all watch three three of us watch the three hour version and and talk it up and and have like a nice yep. spoilery totally. talk. Absolutely. Yeah, because I've never re reviewed it on the show either. So yeah. we can do a post post mortem review yeah. of the director. Love yep. that. Love it. Love it. All right. So, Doctor Shock, what is your number three? 
My number three is another movie I covered recently a few shows ago on 187. It is Gaspar Noe's Climax. Oh, I expected this to be your number one spot. So now and, I'm really interested. It was number one for a long time. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm re- reviewing episode 187. It's a masterwork. Uh, Noe's reliance on long takes and camera movements added so much to the overall dread that really does mount as the story unfolds. There's an undeniable energy to the early dance sequences, and it gives way to this sort of descent into hell once the characters mm-hmm. have been drugged. And yeah. they're revealing their innermost secrets and prejudices, often in a way that's that's really just jarring. Um, and by using long takes and staying with his characters as long as he does, Noe increases this tension in every scene. I mean, Hitchcock talks about it, it talks about, Hitchcock talked about it when he made Rope and that, you know, another movie that had these long takes in it. Mm-hmm. It puts added pressure on the actors to not screw up. I mean, if you think right. about it, if you're seven minutes into a 10 minute uh, scene and you're the one who messes up, you and your co-stars have to go back and do it all over again. That pressure <laughs> adds a heightened intensity to the performances. And I think you see that several times throughout this movie. Oh, Interesting. It really is masterfully crafted, and I was blown away by that craft, as well as the depths that the actors take us to, these characters. And by the end of this, I was drained. I was completely drained by the end of Climax, and um, it really is. I think it is a masterwork. That's awesome. Good pick. Thank you. All right, Wolfman, your number three, please. Okay, my number three is Jordan Peele's Us, and I, I struggled with this one because... It was one of the most uh, creative films that I saw all year by a long shot. And Mm -hmm. I think he delivers really well on his craft. Everything looks perfect. The performances are perfect. I think for me, it was the the writing was a bit lacking on this one. I think it was, he just overcomplicated it. I think, uh, you know, he wanted to kind of have his cake and eat it too. And that was what kept this from being my number one. Um, You know, this is, I knew this was going to be in my top several films and I wasn't sure what would be above it. This was my number one spot for most of the year, but I didn't want it to be. I knew even then, like I've got to find something else that's going to knock this thing down. (laughs) Like I liked it, but it wasn't, you know, that perfect number one movie for me. So I, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with where it's at now because I feel like it deserves a number three spot on on my list and it it earned it. (laughs) Nice. So, um, really liked us i am hoping for jordan peele to do something a little more simple it was just a bit too ambitious i think for okay well I, he produced the antebellum coming up right oh cool yeah i mean i know he's definitely has his finger in a lot of pies he's involved with the twilight zone and all, so many other film projects but yeah I, right I, I'm, I'm curious to see what he directs next obviously he's producing Candyman, so yeah and 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 his like I said, his instincts are just for me incredible. I mean that opening scene, just the way it's shot, it really is like wow! I can't wait to see where this story goes. Yes, and Joel, I think you might like the listeners number three here. It is Doctor Sleep yes. at number three. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. So everybody's seen it but me. <laughs> Gosh, Dave. 
What do you have something going on at that time of year in October? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What were you doing? Just goofing off? A few things going on, but (laughs) man, not just that. It's just, I'd live in the freaking boondocks and I think it played for a week in one theater. That's not your fault because unfortunately when you said everybody saw it, but you, that's actually incorrect because had they, this movie would have been a lot more successful as it deserved to be. (laughs) That's true. Good point. Good point. This is a definitive number three for the listeners, but yeah, in terms of numbers, it's a huge drop from the number one and two. I don't know what order they'll be in, but I really feel at this point, I feel extremely safe in wagering money on what those two movies are. <laughs> <laughs> I know at least one of them. Let's yeah, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so on that, we will now go into our number two horror movie of 2019. All right, so my number two is a movie that needs no introduction at all, even though maybe it kind of got one at the beginning, assuming I heard you correctly, Josh. And that is us. Because come on, people. It's freaking us. I love this. This is the only movie I saw in the theater this year more than once. I, I actually wow. got to see it more than once in the theater, which last year that was Halloween's honor. It seems like every year I have like one movie I'll go see at least twice, maybe. <laughs> but uh, us, I just loved it. And and, and after seeing it the second time, uh, I loved it even more. And I what I love specifically about it is I think that the people who don't dig it, at least with what I've gotten from the people who explain to me, the ones that don't like it. I think it's because of the thing that I love about it, which is that he doesn't over explain things i know you do get some monologuing at at a certain key point in the movie but for the most part it's all just like you can read into it and you can kind of analyze it and and it just it's it's so you know wonderfully weird in all the right ways and the performances and honestly lapita nyango doesn't get a friggin nomination for this movie i scream shenanigans sorry and i understand it's a horror movie and then the academy whatever screw that she deserves one she is fantastic. I mean, she's fantastic in everything, but she's really fantastic in this. So uh, for me, number two, which of course you now can't possibly guess what my number one is. <laughs> my number two is us. And, you know, I, it always gets me people who um, who say, oh, you know, I, I heard where'd they get all the, where'd they get the scissors, where'd they get the the overalls. And it's like, wow. So in a, so you're willing to accept there's a world where everybody on the surface <laughs> has a doppelganger, has a doppelganger yeah. living underneath, uh, living yeah. underground. Yes. But yet your big concern is where'd yes. they get the overalls. But the infrastructure is a bridge too far. You cannot right. accept <laughs> that they, right. yeah, the, the inventory. What do they got an Amazon account? What's happening? Yeah, no, I, I I love the movie. It's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> All right, so Doctor Shock, your number two already been mentioned. Yet another sophomore effort from an up and coming director. It's Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse. Oh, nice. Again, the story takes place by the ocean, but whereas Sweetheart's setting was tropical and idyllic, the lighthouse is the opposite. It's sort of stark, dreary, a workmanlike view of seafaring mm-hmm. life. Yes. Um, the black and white photography adds to the overall tone of the film, and the performances are staggeringly good. Robert Patterson has never been better, though to be fair, I haven't seen High Life. 
or, you know, I haven't seen all of his recent work. And Willem Dafoe has been on an amazing role as of late. It started in 2017 yes. with the Florida Project. Yes. Continued a year later with it at Eternity's Gate, both of which he got Academy Award nominations for. Here he plays this grizzled old lighthouse keeper who talks like a character you'd expect to find in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. <laughs> yet he's never false or cartoonish. He remains genuine throughout. Only with and more flatulence. Right, a lot more flash. <laughs> uh, like like the witch, it's deliberately paced. The lighthouse, and like that film, when it does delve into the more horrific, it's really it's effective. It really is. There's a scene with a seagull that oh shocked the hell out of me. I mean, just thinking yeah. about it now, it still disturbs me. Yeah, right. You know, uh, and like the witch, it's not a movie you can really sit back and watch passively. I mean, it's most effective when it's getting into psychological horror. You never know for certain, you know, what's what's real and what isn't. But the mood is so persistently ominous that it just enveloped me. And I could have sat through another hour watching these two characters go back and forth. I really could. There's several movies from 2019 that I'm anxious to watch again. And this is there as well. I, I really, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it so much. That's really Absolutely. cool. I, I, I don't know why I didn't think I was going to. I should have known I was going to, but I, I just didn't think I would for whatever reason. But you know, I, it's a, a sophomore efforts. You usually hear them and you think, well, it's going to be a letdown from their from their big film. And, yeah. and I don't think we got that this year. I think the, these the, no. the, these directors are showing us I'm here and I'm I'm here to stay. And I, I yeah. have some skills and, and they're showing it through these movies. And Wolfman. What is your number two? Okay, my number two is a very, very recent addition to my list. I think the maybe the most recent addition to my top ten, uh, other than The Lighthouse. It's in there with The Lighthouse. Was, this is one that I saw due to our rain delay. And uh, this is the kind of movie I was looking for all year this is the kind of movie that i expect to see kind of in the fall when all of the films that are film festival films and awards contenders and things start coming out i wanted something that was just gonna punch me right in the face and make my eyes blurry for a minute and show me something i hadn't seen and i wasn't getting it this year and it was just driving me crazy i said give me something that'll knock my socks off and finally it happened with this film it was lutz Ooh. and it's a german film now it's very short and it, there's not a whole lot to the plot. And I think those are the two elements that had their, you know, it's a 70 minute movie. If they'd given us 90 minutes and a little and 20 extra minutes of plot, this would be my number one movie of the year, mm -hmm. but it just, and you know, maybe it's a good thing. It left me wanting more, but it left me wanting a little bit too much more, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but man, from the opening frame, I was hooked and I got more and more hooked as it went. Everything that happened surprised me and it was slow. Like it wasn't really until the third location switch mm -hmm. where I was really like, Oh boy, what am I watching? But once that happened, I felt like I was on a roller coaster ride for the rest of the movie. I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was, it's very, you're right. It's a very original movie. It, it's just, yeah. it, just what they do with that last sequence is, that is where I think the movie it, it distinguishes itself. Yeah. I agree with you. 
Yeah, because the first couple things you're like, oh, okay, this is fine. I'm good. It's going along. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder where this is going to go. And then all of a sudden, I just thought we are in new territory. This is right. these are un what is it, unexplored waters. What do you yep. say? Yeah. <laughs> right. And man, I that's what I want to see. You know, that's why I go to movies is for this experience. I have to credit Creepazoid Kelly on Twitter. She tweeted out about this film, and I'd seen it around. I recognized the poster when I saw it. I think I'd seen it on maybe Shutter or something. And I, so I knew that it was out there, but it just was not one I was going to get to. And when I saw her tweet, I thought, you know, I've got a little extra time. I'm looking for something different. I'm going to give this one a shot. And I'm so glad it was also a shot on film. And it has this kind of texture to it that you just don't get from a lot of films these days. And, and I loved the way it looked, uh, you know, it's it was lit and shot, even though again, mm-hmm. very simply uh, just had something there that was, it had, had this factor that just made me love it so much. So That's anyway, awesome. I, I wanted it to be my number one and then it ended and I thought, Come on, give me, little, give me a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's my number two. Awesome, that's great. And it seems Joel's in lockstep with the listeners. Their number two is us. Awesome, yeah, that's great. Beautiful Jordan peels us. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> And again, these these number one and two, they really shot up. So, you know, in in tell, well, I'll give I'll give you the exact numbers when we get to our number one. But when tallying these up, um, you see a constant rise, as you would expect, from the bottom of the honorable mentions to the number one. But they just get bigger and bigger. What that means is a lot more people have these movies in their top spots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, very cool. That's great. That's awesome. All right. Here we are. We are here. It is time to reveal our number one horror movies of 2019. (sighs) My number one horror movie of 2019. You called it, Josh. It's Child's Play. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's Crawl. Come on. I just about swallowed my tongue. <laughs> it's uh, crawl. It's crawl, folks. Look, I knew the second I said us is my number two, anybody that's remotely listened to the show since I reviewed crawl knew it had to be crawl. <laughs> so of course it was crawl. Yes. But that's that's very exciting. I love <laughs> that sure. it made it because <laughs> you were second guessing yourself after your review. Like, did I go too far? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I've decided, you know what? Life is too stick and short. That is the most fun I had in the movie theater. That the simplicity and just minimalism of that movie. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why that movie should have worked as well as it did. I mean, because it's it's basically a sci-fi mm. movie, right? It's like the sci-fi channel makes a movie, except that if it made a really amazingly great movie like that. Right. Yeah, well, especially the early 2000s. Remember when they would do like all of those nature run amok movies, like the shark movies? Look, I love Mega Piranha. I love the guy laying oh, on I'm his- talking about those. Before those, like, what was it like Blood Shark? There was a bunch of them before we yeah. got the asylum <laughs> yeah. types. You know what right. I mean? And like Crawl would have totally fit that. Like right after Lake Placid came out, the sci-fi channel did, I think it was before it was Siffy. It was still like the sci-fi channel. And they would do these and they would show, or at least they would show them all the time. I don't know that they actually produced them. And um, mm-hmm. my point being, Crawl fits in there, tech on paper, but it's so great. And look, obviously I'm biased. I am a native Floridian. And this movie 
all you know i mean yes it goes extreme in most of the way it's depicting things and there's some things you could absolutely mm-hmm. pick apart but for the most part i felt like wow i get the pressure that people who made this movie at least visited florida once <laughs> like in a, you know so often right. you see you see a movie where you're from you're like did they even have they even like watched a video on the place before you know but this it really i think nailed a lot of the aspects of it. like that vibe like when she's driving through and the hurricanes come, like that's what it feels like because i've done it when you're driving and the mm-hmm. hurricane come it feels very much like that it's not just the the, the fun factor in the movie that the the father and the daughter that relationship oh, the relationship is fantastic is amazing and the way they explore it is amazing and she, and, and the acting is great and i just i just like it for how it's so simple all right so dr shock Please, you're leaving us in suspense. What is your number one? My number one is a movie that actually was much lower on my list for a while. But then I watched it again a few days ago, again, because of our rain delay, because I couldn't get it out of my head. And this viewing not only reversed my doubts about it, but strengthened those portions of the movie that I was initially impressed with. My number one is the Brazilian produced The Night Shifter. Whoa, I did this, not see this coming. This is marks the second year in a row that my top horror film is from South America. Last year's number one, Terrified, was from Argentina. Quick synopsis, Stenio, the night shifter of a morgue, has the ability to communicate with the cadavers that are brought to him every night. One such interaction leads him to do something that ultimately unleashes an evil that he is ill-prepared to deal with. And that's just sort of a very general overview of it. Through the first hour of The Night Shifter, and this is going back to my initial viewing, I said, this is my number one movie. This is it, no doubt. But then it ran a little longer than I thought was necessary. It's 110 minutes. And as original, as intense as the first hour was, the second half was, at least initially, a bit of a letdown. It treaded more in familiar territory than than what had come before it. I knew it was going to make my list, but I figured it was around number seven for a time, even this time a few days ago. But of all the horror films I saw in the past week, past few weeks, this one affected me a lot like 2017's The Devil's Candy did in that it just wouldn't leave me. It just stayed with me. And I knew I had to see it again before we recorded this episode. Hmm. The first half still worked great. The scenes where the lead talks to the dead bodies is so damn disturbing. And it doesn't matter what they're discussing. It is just damn creepy. Now, it still might be a tad too long. But this time, the second half, even with its familiar tropes, worked better than I remembered and actually complemented the first half quite well. And it's scary in its own right. And there's a scene set in a cemetery that just unnerved me even more the second viewing. And I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was coming. So of my top four, this one spent the least amount of time at my number one. But for my money, it's the best of the bunch. It's original, it's dark, and it spends so much time in that darkness that the macabre becomes almost the norm. It's streaming right now on Shudder. And if you haven't seen it, you absolutely have to. It's The Night Shifter. Wow, Dave. I did not see that coming at all. And that's that one that was not even on my radar to watch. So wow. Your number one film of the year. Holy cow. I gotta I gotta get on shutter and watch that right away. I can't uh, believe that. Absolutely. I think I th- I think you'll be impressed. And like I said, I mean the first half of it is so 
It's just, I mean, from the first scene, this guy is talking to cadavers and they're revealing things. And then where it goes from there, I was just on board with it. It gets a little more predictable, not predictable. That's the wrong word. It gets a little more standard as the movie goes on, Mm -hmm. but it's still creepy. And there is such a darkness that hangs over this entire movie that it just impressed me. I'd still put terrified a little bit above it. I mean, terrified just, just blew me away. But this movie came damn close to that. And it is, uh, yeah, I have no problem making it my number one of the year. And Wolfman, come on, let's finish strong. What is your number one? All right. Well, my number one is a film that's been brought up several times, but much lower on everyone else's list. This is one of those movies that as soon as I saw it, it hopped to this place on my list. And I've literally been in a race to replace it as my number one for the last (laughs) three months i just thought <laughs> see if see what we can find that can beat it nothing could it's one cut of the dead i just nice. i have never seen anything that did what this movie did awesome it did it at the highest level and mm-hmm. it reinvigorated a genre for me that uh, i've seen enough of like it's it, I, I still like it but it's one that you know it's uh it's hard to get enthusiastic about sometimes. Right. I've just seen so many zombie movies and this one and so many zombie comedies. Let's be honest. So many that are, that are, that are zombie comedies, and that feel like they might have a found footage element to them. I just thought, okay, I just, you know, I would have seen it, but I didn't think I would be this over the moon about it. And uh, yeah, one cut of the dead just did it for me. Absolutely. It's, it's a great movie. It is. And I, I agree. Everyone should, should see it. And most importantly, the Audience Collective Top 10 Horror Movie of 2019 is Midsommar. Oh, yeah. Yep. By a landslide. Wow. If we take, That's something. Isn't if that we something? Take, if we take the bottom honorable mention, that film scored 84 points. Mm-hmm. Midsommar scored 658 points. Wow. wow. That's a, that's a spectrum. A that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Even between Dr. Sleep at 309, um, us and Midsommar, us jumped up to 615 from 309 between wow. number two and number three. Yeah. Yeah. So they really had these two movies highly placed on a lot of lists. Wow. That's excellent. That is. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a work of art. You know, I can't fault anyone for having it at their number one. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. All right. So now that we've got the top 10 list out of the way, we will each go through quickly. We're going to run through our honorable mentions. This is sort of like our top 11 through 15. You know, if we're thinking of it that way. So my number 11 is little monsters. Because it is a, it is the one movie on on all of my lists where I really kind of started off hating it like a lot, mainly because the main character <laughs> is such a d bag. Yeah, he really, he really and, is. Yeah, and not yep. and, and I, look, I mean, I know look, some people love like the whole bad bad Santa model, and it definitely is funny to me, and I can laugh. But like, it's such an unpleasant character, <laughs> and but where mm-hmm. it goes, where it ends up, and how much I ended up caring for these characters by the end, and it is a shockingly sweet movie. I mean, it really is considering where it starts off and. Where- exactly you know and uh it's great so for that was for me little monsters number 12 and i feel like i have to explain myself why 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 is this only at number 12 why is it higher tigers are not afraid no that's great i'm glad to see it included i really loved the movie but here's the thing and i know after we got done with the whole nightingale discussion (laughs) 
But for me, it was real life horror, obviously, what these kids are going through. And it was touching and tragic and sad. But I never felt any like any kind of fear, any kind of, and I mean, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just How like, a, I know, like I'm a, such a cold, heartless mm. SOB that I could not feel fear for these poor little babies that are in this horrific situation. <laughs> I don't want to, and I don't know why. Like, I don't, and maybe this is, here's part of the problem. And I feel like Dave and even you, Josh, although I feel like you do this a little bit more like I do it, but Dave, I always feel like is pretty good with this. I think I'm the kind of person that when people talk something up a lot, especially a lot of people talk it up a lot, I can't help but go in, like whether, I mean, I'm trying so hard, like I'm not going to have the high expectations. And then it, and it's like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it just, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Yeah, it's always tricky. In fact, I was thinking that when you were talking about Dr. Sleep for Dave, I'm like, don't talk it up too much. I want him to like yeah, it. Yeah, but see, I feel like Dave is better. <laughs> I, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Dave is, for some reason, I don't know if he's watching 2,500 movies and reviewing them on his website, but mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. you're better at that than I am, for sure. Okay. My expectations are everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, and I really, I, 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 that's why honestly, my favorite movie experiences of all time have always been. I knew nothing. Crying game, yes. Usual Suspects. I went into those completely yes. and utterly unknowing, and they blew my mind. You know, yep. I love that. I love that experience. So anyway, that was uh, yeah, absolutely. I now, love that too. Now my number thirteen was the one that induced a groan earlier, but I thought about this one, and it's mainly because I keep thinking about it, and I'm actually looking forward to watching it again. My number thirteen, Child's Play. Nice. I didn't think okay. I was going to do it. I was like, did I really want to put this one? I was like, you know what? Because yes, if you didn't call it Child's Play and you called the character something other Chucky, I would have really loved this movie. <laughs> like a lot. And so you know, the okay. fact that it just has those, it just, it doesn't, it, it's got its issues. It's not perfect by any stretch, but I keep thinking about it and I really like the performances in it and I really want to see it again. So I was like, you know what? The heck with it. It's going on my list. Child's Play 2019. Sure. I expected to see it on your list somewhere, so I'm I'm glad that it's in the honorable mention. Yeah, was was right, that was that right. your nostalgia one you were referring to earlier? Yeah, that's what uh, I figured. I was, I was yeah. definitely afraid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please don't be in his top ten, okay? Yeah, it's it's is, is it too late to get another co-host on this show that's got some kind of credibility? <laughs> uh, the thing is, I think I'm actually going to like this movie when I see it. I think you we'll actually see. know what's weird. I think you will too. <laughs> For some reason, I think you I think you both will enjoy it. Uh, but all right. So number 14 for me uh, in the tall grass, which I know has been pretty divisive with people. But mm-hmm. I, I am a, becoming more and more a fan of Joe Hill, which I know he did this with his dad, with Stephen King. Um, but and I don't know if I was still riding high on the on the Nosferatu uh, show, but I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was weird in all the right ways. It's not perfect, but it deals with time and, and other things in such a cool way to me. Uh, and I really, I love the look of it. It's not Children of the Corn, but it still has that mid, when Stephen King goes to the Midwest sort of feel. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it okay. And the listeners have it above average on there rankings yeah. so I, mean, I could totally see why this would be on nobody's list but like, it's it, one of those it's, it's a it's above average for me but yeah. it's not like a, it's yeah. not probably not list worthy for me sure but yeah. sure and my number 15 is it chapter two that is my number 15 honorable mention because I, I you know today's point it is a far cry better than the original uh part two but right. that said, I did have quite a few issues with it. The things I actually really liked about it were more of the uh, the adults and the human drama. But I just it, it felt uneven to me. And honestly, if I'm being really honest with you, other than a couple of key elements uh, dealing with like Richie and a couple of the other things, there's very little of the movie I even really remember. Like it just it never. But I, I do feel like it was a 
good enough follow-up and there were enough things about it I enjoyed. I feel like I'm really talking this movie down for it to be my honorable mentions. But no, it, <laughs> yeah, as a follow-up to the first one, I thought it was, I really liked it too. Yeah. I mean, I really did. I enjoyed it chapter two quite a lot. Yeah, I liked them both. And I had watched it chapter one right beforehand when I went saw it the next day. I saw it chapter two. And I don't know who knows. Maybe that worked against it. I don't know. But um, for me, both of these it movies, I have really enjoyed and liked. They just didn't hit me as hard as I had been hoping they would. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I was hoping these right. would be like my favorites of the decade. And they ended up not being and i think for that reason i'm a little disappointed but i still think they're very good movies like i enjoy them so that's my number 15 all right so dr shock want to run us through your honorable mentions honorable mentions counting down from number i guess it would be number 11 to number 15 all discussed on previous episodes my first honorable mention is tigers are not afraid which we discussed in episode 187 uh next up would be crawl which we discussed on uh, our shark attack episode 177 Nice. Then Little Monsters from episode 186, our Zomcom. Actually, that's that's my third entry uh, from that episode <laughs> on my list. Yeah. Um, honorable mention number four is Ready or Not from episode 180. And honorable mention number nice. five is Braid, a movie I think everyone should check out. It's from, uh, again, I talked about it on episode 187. Well worth seeing. And honestly, right under that was Belzebuth. It really was. That mm. just came, just missed my top, my my five honorable mentions because there's one scene in Belzebuth that takes place in a, in a preschool classroom where you see handprints all over the wall and ceiling that I was just like, whoa, did <laughs> that just take this to a damn creepy place? <laughs> and I loved it. And and from there on out, I just saw the movie a little bit differently. But Belzebuth was number six for me. Very nice. And Wolfman, what are your honorable mentions? Braid and Knives and Skin were two films that were on my list to see that I didn't make it to. But uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in checking it out. All right. Yeah, well, definitely. my honorable mentions... I'd have liked to include a lot of lesser known picks here, but again, there were just so many good movies uh, that I had to include some pretty obvious stuff. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because it's like, there were just too many. Right. Um, my number 11 though, I think is a little bit lesser seen film. It's South Korean film. It's called Svaha, the sixth finger. Ooh, I really no. liked it. Yeah, um, I've not even heard of that one. That's awesome. Oh yeah, it's on Netflix, so you you can watch it. And I think it just gets a little cartoonish toward the end. I I, I really liked the majority of it. Basically, there's a priest. He's a Christian priest in South Korea who gets hired by the Buddhist hierarchy to investigate Buddhist cults and kind of bring them out of the woodwork. So wow. the, he gets hired by them to go kind of try to figure out who's fallen astray within the Buddhist teaching so that he can report that to the higher ups. And he's not um, a man of the cloth as much as he probably should be. You know, mm -hmm. he's kind of, he's just in it for the money and, but okay. it, he stumbles upon this cult deer mount and he starts to follow a series of mysteries related to that cult that happened to intersect with some dead bodies. The police are finding 
at the same time. And so it's, it was just a really fun Korean thriller murder mystery with a little bit of comedy thrown in there. You know how they do just with the odd South Korean tone. And I really enjoyed it. But yeah, again, it just it fell slightly short of my top 10. I still gave it a nine out of 10. So mm-hmm. got a high rating, but it was just a kind of an odd film to nice. make it all the way to my top 10. Awesome. Um, Tumbat is one that was an Indian film that I really enjoyed. It's about an Indian legend of a demon uh, and God. And uh, it's about a guy who basically, you know, his family has been cursed uh, for trying to steal this demon's treasure, but he figures out a way to do it successfully. And so a lot of the film is building up his successful <laughs> thieving of this demon's treasure, you know, and it works until it doesn't, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I really like that film. Uh, My number 13 and 14 are pet cemetery and it's because I just had to put them in there. I love Stephen King movies. I I would have preferred they not be in there. So I could include some stranger stuff, but I I didn't know what to do. And uh, (laughs) my number 15 is crawl. So uh, great movie. If I was going to go a little bit lower on my list, uh, the ones I would have, liked to talk more about uh knife plus heart in fabric the dead don't die lords of chaos atlantics uh, little monsters mm-hmm. some some of those types of films but nice and so lords of chaos you saw i mean there are there are three un- unforgettable scenes and i mean as far as the violence oh my gosh it's it was just almost too disturbing to want to give it uh, a place on my list you right. know what i mean like right. it was i understand soulless. like right <laughs> yeah <laughs> I to give it, you know, I don't want to give it any more fame because it's so dark. <laughs> I agree. I and you know, but, going a little further on my list, I had Endzeit Ever After, which is a German um, mm-hmm. zombie film. Yes, I had it. Chapter two. I had In Fabric, and I had The Wind, Demons of the Prairie, because nice. I love westerns. Mm-hmm. My second favorite genre, and I thought this was a nice blending of horror and and a western. I it really impressed me. Nice. Yep, that's a good one. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I kept thinking of that film with Michelle Williams, that that really spare western. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Which one is something that? Creek? I can't. I'm blanking on what it's called right now. It's not Meek's Cutoff. It's not yeah, Meek's that Cutoff. One. That's Meek's the one. Cutoff. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was thinking oh. about. It's like Meek's Cutoff meets The Witch, is what right. I would describe yeah. the wind as. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> good one. All right, awesome. And the listeners. Honorable mentions. Now, these are exactly 11 through 15 because it's based on their numerical ranking. But uh, what we have here are 11, Brightburn. Okay. 12, The Hole in the Ground. Okay. Oh, nice. 13, Climax. Awesome. 14, Child's Play. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And 15 was Pet Cemetery. Ah, so yeah, and nice. scary stories to tell in the dark just barely lost the pet cemetery by a sliver, but yeah, very good list, yeah, fun stuff on there, and a good, good mix. I, yes. I like that there's a very eclectic yep. listener list, absolutely, mm-hmm. very, very eclectic. All right, so now let's move into some. I was going to say some fun categories, but they've all been fun. Um, This is our horror adjacent. So each of us is going to give our favorite horror adjacent film of 2019. And these are films that we personally wouldn't classify as horror, but they are films that we think may appeal to horror fans. Up first, my pick for the best horror adjacent film of 2019 is Joker. Ah. I originally was going to go Knives Out because I just Knives Out is one of my favorite movies of the year, bar none. But 
if I'm thinking truly like horror adjacent, I feel like Joker because Joker is I mean, you could make almost an argument <laughs> for it being a horror movie. It's really wow. disturbing in a lot of ways. Um, Absolutely. And and, uh, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. So that is my favorite horror adjacent. Yeah. And the Joker actually got 15 points on in the horror category. So yeah, at least some people were considering that straight ahead horror. Yeah. And you can see, and you can see why Yes, uh, I, I can see why as, especially as it, as it got towards, uh, it is a dark, you know, the, dark movie. It's dark from the start and yeah. it just gets darker. <laughs> yes. But I think, I feel like it's like ta- in the same way, taxi driver is a horror movie, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's horror. There's something horrific and disturbing and, and, and grimy is, and I definitely don't personally consider it a horror movie, but it is horror adjacent for sure yeah all right so dr shock your horror adjacent my horror adjacent is a movie called level 16 by writer director uh danishka esterhazy uh it's a sci-fi thriller about this unique boarding school for girls of different ages a quick synopsis and i got this from cinema access because the imdb uh synopsis is particularly inept At the Vestalis Academy, a boarding school for girls, 16-year-old Vivian, played by Katie Douglas, and her fellow students follow a regimented program under the watchful eye of stern headmistress Miss Brixel, played by Sarah Canning. Fearing an outside world they have never seen, all of the girls are orphans and have spent the majority of their lives at Vestalis, never wandering outside. The teens work hard to be perfect young women, both both in cleanliness and domestic aptitude in hopes of eventually being adopted by a family. Uh, but the school is not all that it seems. And even though she's reluctant at first to heed the warnings of her friend Sophie, played by Selena Martin, Vivian eventually realizes that there are sinister things at play at Vestalis. Uh, It's obvious early on that this is not an ordinary boarding school, yet level 16 really does guard its secrets closely. It it sort of feeds us just enough to keep us watching, but not enough to figure out what's really going on behind the scenes of this facility. And when we do discover it, we root like hell for these young women, all of them at the center of it to just get out of this horrible fate that, 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 that they're in for. The performances are strong and it's more sci-fi and thriller than horror for me, but I think horror fans will enjoy it quite a bit. Level 16. Wow. Hadn't even heard of that one. Awesome. Dude. Nice. And Wolfman, what is your horror adjacent? Okay. For me, my horror adjacent film, I would probably typically go with a film like light of my life. That would be the type of movie that I search out or maybe mm-hmm. parasite this year. I mm-hmm. wanted to honor in my spot, two horror documentaries, oh. um, horror noir and horror movie, a low budget nightmare. These are two documentaries that came out this year that are about the topic of horror filmmaking that I just think are must sees for any horror fan. I think there's yes. so much fun. And I highly, highly recommend people check them out. Absolutely. Both of them are, are incredible. Uh, horror Noir was was awesome. And then uh, that that other, the horror movie we just saw recently. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, yeah. the Red Christmas. They're, they're both incredible. Absolutely. And then the listeners' horror-adjacent picks. There were five spots uh, in multiple films that garnered enough points to – be worth mentioning here, but their number one pick was parasite. So I'll mention that up front. That was their number one horror Jason film. There were a few more spots here that I'd like to discuss. Joker came in at a clear number two. Lords of chaos came in at a clear number three. 
Then there was a three-way tie between three films, Light of My Life, which I just mentioned, The Nightingale, and Zombieland Double Tap. Then uh, in the number five spot, it was a, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight-way tie (laughs) between Border, a movie that looks fantastic to me. I cannot wait to see that movie. I don't know if you saw the trailer or saw that movie, Dave. But yeah. um, I think well, that's one you'll love. It, it would be great for inclusion on like a troll hunter episode or like a Nordic, you know, uh, fantasy myths episode. I'm, I'm sorry. I got distracted for a second. What is it again? It's called What's Border. It? No, I've not seen that. Border. Yeah, it's a it's like a Scandinavian film. Awesome. Is this the one? Is this the one with the with the um? With the customs worker? Yes. I did see that. I love it. I love Border. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that's that is a great movie. Yep. Yeah, the listeners have that as a tie with Glass, Godzilla King of the Monsters, High Life, I Am Mother, which is a great film, mm. One Cut of the Dead, Terminator Dark Fate, and Uncut Gems. Those are the listeners oh. or adjacent picks. Beautiful. That's a that's a nice range of movies there. Yeah. And those were all the ones that got enough points that they'd be worth kind of mentioning. Awesome. Yeah, again, their number one film was Parasite. Awesome. Okay. And now each of us will give our favorite, oh, and I'm loath to use this expression, guilty pleasure of 2019. <laughs> there you go. Or as I'm calling it, my unrepentant pleasure. <laughs> so I guess the important question is how do you guys classify a guilty pleasure? Well, I think there is something guilty about it, even though I know a lot of people love to say, well, I'm not guilty about any of my pleasures, but sure. But what we're getting at here, what are those movies? It doesn't have to be outside. I don't know. What do you think it is? I'm not suggesting people should feel well, shame I mean, for the things they like. Right. But, I, but there is a certain thing where it's like, as a cinephile, right. I understand that this is not a good movie, but right. I still like it. <laughs> exactly. Like for me, uh, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 sure. is a guilty pleasure because I know <laughs> it's a mess, but I love it. But would that just be C&D? Oh yeah, possibly. It's Although I guess, I guess true C and D is you actually maybe even have a hard time admitting it. Though you're, yeah. like, you're like, no, it really is good. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it is. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not guilty about loving it, but I do recognize that it is not a quality film. Okay, that's fair. All right, all right. And the other thing about it being, you know, not C and D is, and Anne Tread was the first person to bring this to our attention. Well, if it's if it's a, not an old film that you have sentimentality for, that then- is fair. There's no nostalgia. You're good. That's a great argument. Yeah. Yep. It's just a cinematic disorder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess we all kind of have anyway. All right. Yeah, so right, here's right. the thing. My pick for unrepentant pleasure, my guilty pleasure, which I, you know, could have easily been child's play if we're being completely honest. But for me this year, I decided to make it escape room. Okay. Good one. Yeah. And because escape room is like, saw light (laughs) you know you got these situations and contraptions and people trapped and there's only one way out and bad things happen but it never quite goes to like saw and i don't mean the first one of course i mean the sequel's Mm -hmm. territory but it's just a fun movie and it was way more fun than i thought i I came i think it was a january release from 2019 i came in to seeing this like around the summertime is when we finally watched it i was like yeah Yeah. i've heard some halfway decent things about this and and it's a fun movie it's just a really fun movie and I will say uh, this was within striking distance of the listeners' top 30. It's an above average film for the listeners. Nice. So. 
Yeah, I guess I really enjoyed it. And I've heard they're doing a sequel to it and it did, it lends itself to it. And it's just it's a fun concept. It's sort of like Final Destination or, or something like that, where you have this situation and and the suspense is built from, uh, you know, we, the audience, seeing certain things maybe transpiring. And uh, it's just it's a fun movie. So uh, that is my guilty slash unrepentant pleasure. Escape room. Nice. All right. Dr. Shock, what is your guilty pleasure of 2019? Well, my guilty pleasure is one I talked about on episode 187. It's Boar from Australia. <laughs> uh, the, the giant pig movie. It's bad CGI or not all bad CGI. Some bad CGI. Some of it's pretty good. Uh, crazy characters doing crazy things. Um, and one of the most interesting uh, uses of Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby that I've ever seen. I just can't get that out of my head. Uh, that is my guilty pleasure that I can't wait to watch again. <laughs> awesome. And Wolfman, what is your guilty pleasure? Okay, my guilty pleasure was in my number 10 spot for quite a while. And it was one that's just, it's just the world it takes place in. It's just a little too skeezy to include in my top 10. <laughs> um, it's, it's an amazing movie, though. I think there were three films that were Jello-esque that I really wanted to include this year. And only one of them made it onto my list. But In Fabric was one. Lutz was the one that made my list. And then this one, Knife Plus Heart. I just uh, loved yeah everything about this movie except yep. for just kind of the, it takes it takes the skeeziness of a De Palma film and takes it 10 steps further <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yes it does <laughs> but man do I love so much about that movie it was it was it you know what uh, me too I was not expecting to enjoy it after you know I, I know we had sort of discussed it briefly um, mm -hmm. and I was not expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, but, and you're right. It does. It's, it's almost as if the palm would say, no, I'm not going to go that far. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to be in my top 15, but right, as of now it's, you know, between 16 and 18. So, mm -hmm. and that would be my guilty pleasure. And then the mm -hmm. listener's guilty pleasure is a two way tie between child's play oh. and Godzilla King of the monsters. So, nice. uh, they also had, uh, three more films no four more films tied for number two that are worth mentioning uh three from hell the banana splits movie book <laughs> of monsters and dead detectives those were the four other films that tied for second place nice and and you know what three from hell um i did like it i it, for me it's it's the 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 lesser of the three mm -hmm. uh in that trilogy but i did enjoy portions of three from hell and i liked revisiting those characters okay this one brings me no joy at all i am not a person who revels in wanting a movie to be bad i, I don't know that i have right. ever gone into a movie wanting it to be bad even when i enjoy an mst3k episode there's always this part of me that thinks maybe the movie that they're making fun of isn't that bad and then of course you watch it like oh no this movie is really bad but right right this movie it's not it's not even this movie this my biggest disappointment is bad because i don't think it's a bad movie at all it's just it disappointed me it's just it it let me down in so many ways and it's a movie i really wanted to love and that is pet cemetery mm. <sighs> for me i was so yeah. so saddened by and, and look mm -hmm. full disclosure in case anybody listening doesn't know this the original the 1989 version is in my top 10 of all time so i admit right. i came in with a whole lot of baggage to this movie but there were so many things in it i liked even a couple of the 
key twists I didn't hate the idea of. I wish the stupid trailer hadn't sprung. But, <laughs> but um, I honestly think like I liked church, I think even better. I mean, there was a lot of things I liked. Um, I will say that, you know, Judd is definitely not my favorite part, but but the right. but but there were things about it I like. But for whatever reason, who knows? I wonder if this is a movie that I'll revisit in three years and be like, "Wow, this is way better than I remember it being." I don't know, but I just know that for this year, if I had to pick a movie that was my biggest disappointment, it was this one. All right, so Doctor Shock, what is your biggest disappointment movie of the year? All right, my biggest disappointment actually was one of Joel's honorable mentions, okay. and it's Child's Play. I mean, I thought Mark Hamill did a good job. I really did. I just didn't like the whole AI gone wrong theme. It just took the edge off of Chucky too much for me to get into the movie. It's not terrible. It's really not. It's not a bad movie. It's just I was hoping for more. And I'm not saying that it has to be a a doll possessed by a serial killer. I'm not saying that it needed to go that route. Right. But the AI thing, it just... It, it made Chucky a little too sympathetic for a little too long. Um, and it does change towards the end of the film. And again, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate Child's Play. I just was disappointed by it. And Wolfman, what movie made you die a little inside? <laughs> Yeah, like I've said before, you know, my biggest disappointments are the movies that are almost perfect movies, and mm-hmm. then they're not quite there. Like, my my true biggest disappointments of the year are, like, also my number three through ten top ten. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe even two through ten. Um, but, you know, I think my choice here for biggest disappointment fits that mold a bit. You know, I thought I had such high hopes for Wrinkles the Clown. When I saw that, I thought, okay, I've been waiting for a horror documentary for so long. This fits that bill. And really, like, reflecting back on it, it's not a bad movie. It's fine. And it's it's an interesting treatment of the subject. It's worth a watch. Everyone should watch it if they, like, if they watch the trailer and find it interesting, they should watch the movie. Just know that the trailer is a full three points better than the movie, you know? (laughs) Right. And that's why it was my biggest disappointment of the year. Right. Okay. Understood. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch that one. Um, but hopefully I will at some point. It's kind of fun. I'd be interested to hear more people's take on it. I I know I was pretty unnecessarily harsh on it. So the listener's biggest disappointment, Joel, you'll be happy to know, is I don't know if you'll be happy, but it's Pet Cemetery is is ah, their biggest disappointment. Actually, you know, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm not alone, which is nice, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not happy because, again, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, especially a movie you were hoping to really love, um, right. you know, and, and there was a lot of things about it I really liked, but yeah, I just, you know, you got to be honest. Yeah. And, I mean, it's interesting that this is their number one biggest disappointment, but also their number 15 honorable mention so you see that a lot with the oh. you know the most popular films and then the reverse of that are somebody's biggest disappointment yeah and so they i i did tally the the top four here because uh the rest of them were inconsequential in terms of their points but the top four all uh, were kind of high number getters so number two was it chapter two and number three it was a tie of three from hell and us Number four, it was Dr. Sleep and Hellboy and Ma. Hmm. So, so three of their biggest disappointments I had in my top ten. 
<laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Hellboy got trashed by critics, and I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, it wasn't as terrible as what I was reading about it. It right. wasn't as good as Del Toro's for the either of Del Toro's movies. I like those better. But I didn't hate Hellboy. Like, a lot of people seem to hate Hellboy. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, Del Toro left under bad circumstances, and you got to follow up Del Toro, and then to come in with something that's a little, even a little bit less than what he was doing, it's right. There's it's a no-win situation. You know? Yeah, I agree. People have such a fondness for Ron Perlman and the role and everything. So, And he was awesome. I mean, Ron Perlman was was great. Yeah. But David Harbour seems like it may be a good replacement. If you absolutely, if, and it almost to me feels like a child's play situation where, like, if you're going to replace it, you don't need to replace it. But if you're going to replace, it, right, right, exactly. <laughs> okay, and so one little additional segment we thought would be fun to do is we wanted to know uh, what classic film did one of us see for the first time this year, or what was the best retro film that we were introduced to this year. So for me, and this was actually probably one of the more challenging things, Josh, and I know that there's one that I'm going to, after recording this, be like, oh, I can't believe I forgot <laughs> about it. But the one movie that came to mind and hasn't left since then because I was so pleasantly surprised by it and I just really dug it a lot was Mirror, Mirror, when we did our Women in Horror oh, episode. Yeah. Nice. I forgot about that one already. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, that was one that I really enjoyed a lot about it and it had always been there i remember to see in the video store just never picked it up and here we are decades later and i really liked it a lot so that was mine mirror mirror cool dave what what is your biggest i guess you could say retro or classic film surprise the movie i saw this year retro movie for the first time and absolutely loved is your vice is a locked room and only i have the key Ooh. A Giallo directed by Sergio Martino. I watched this. Uh, we were doing a Giallo episode for Land of the Creeps, but then Real Life intervened and I had to miss that episode. But it did lead me to this little gem from the director of Torso. Quick synopsis, a series of murders are committed near the estate of a degenerate author and his wife. And the author, played by Luigi Pastilli, is certainly as degenerate as they come, but he's not the only lowlife in this movie. I mean, Martino made Vice earlier. Vice was released in 72. Torso came out in 73. But this movie is just as strong as Torso. There are seedy characters, some 70s sleaze, a fun mystery at the center of it all, and some real scares. I mean, some genuinely frightening scenes. Uh, Edwidge uh, Fenich is here. She's playing an unsympathetic character. I think it's the first time she did so in her career, actually. But then this movie is chock full of unsympathetic characters. Now, if you're already a Jalo fan, or even if you're new to the subgenre and looking for a doorway into it, either way, I would recommend you check out Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key. I was so impressed with this movie. Hmm, that's awesome. I love Jalo, so I'll definitely be checking that one out. Yep. Definitely do. And Wolfman, what were your biggest cinematic surprises so i've got two on my list both of them came via listeners one of them was vicious victor's written review during our 31 days of halloween it was called white of the eye it's a really interesting film deals with native american stuff that you don't see very much and certainly not done well and certainly not from that time period stars david keith it's a 
must see in my opinion it's like one of those lost gems that everybody sh- if you haven't seen it make sure you check out white of the eye from 1987 awesome the other one was a listener recommendation that dave that you ended up reviewing on one of our at your mercy listener pick episodes and that was next of kin oh awesome that movie was incredible it's another just like why did the eye but more so that i can't believe i had not only not seen it but never even heard of it um so i feel like i really thanks to our listeners stumbled upon two of the best movies i saw this year from years past that yeah i just think if i had remembered it i might have put next of kin <laughs> Here because I saw that for the first time this year, and I loved it just as much as you did. I was so blown away by that movie, and and I probably I should have. Let's put it this way: that for me is 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 right up there with your vices, locked room, and only I have the key. It's it's like a tie because I love Next of Kin also. Absolutely loved it. Awesome. And finally, let's look forward to this year with our most anticipated horror films of twenty twenty. I may have cheated a smidgen. Because I have a few on here, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll say what my first one is. Like, this is my number one. And I feel like it's a no-brainer. And uh, I am unapologetic for this. My number one most anticipated movie of 2020, Halloween Kills. Come on. Yeah. Of course it is. As my great, <laughs> as the great Peter would say, duh. Yes, it is absolutely my number one. Uh, num- coming in a close second is Candyman. Awesome. I am very uh, interested in that. And then Antlers. Hmm. You know, wow. for me. Those are the top three. I won't say any more because obviously I don't want to step on anybody else's uh, toes, which I probably heard. Well, that's great because those are ours. Thanks, Joel. Uh, but <laughs> those were my most anticipated. Dave, what is your most anticipated horror movie of 2020? Well, I want to thank you, Joel, for not stepping on any toes because <laughs> even with The Invisible Man and A New Halloween on the Horizon, the trailer that really impressed me was the one for the Guillermo del Toro produced Antlers. <laughs> Uh, sorry i I really do want to see this one it looks it looks based on the trailer it's sort of an atmospheric creature feature Mm -hmm. it looks really creepy (laughs) like really really creepy all right and wolfman what is your most anticipated of 2020 well it's funny because there are i always have so many anticipated films and they're usually just from filmmakers that i follow or uh, properties um that you know, our known properties. So I don't have any like deep cuts here for the listeners. I haven't watched a lot of trailers, but I'm excited about the ones I know about my number one, probably Halloween kills. It's tied right now with ghostbusters afterlife and Candyman. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind of, Oh, and the invisible man. So, you know, it's, it's that stuff that I know about that I've known about for a while that is attached to properties I already love but sure probably probably in that order halloween kills ghostbusters um candy man and the invisible man i'm a little bit scared of getting too attached to the idea of the invisible man based <laughs> on what happened with the mummy yeah I'm but kinda... you know what that trailer yeah. though i didn't know it was the invisible man and i thought this looks like a creepy little movie what is this yes oh, so there's the trailer yes i agree with was you, still frightened me more than the whole of the mummy <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, you can tell it's a totally different tone. I love that it's yeah. it's from her point of view, not he, like all the Invisible Man stuff in the past. It's always focused on him, right? It's, and right. I love that it's her, right. and it gets in the whole issue of gaslighting and just all of that stuff. It's fascinating, and uh, yeah, it's in my top. Like I didn't want to. I knew if I kept talking, it, that it was going to be that one. Uh, Antebellum, I'm really intrigued by. Oh, that looks good too. Yeah, yeah. even that the looks turning, like a good one. the turning, I, which I'm sure will be mm-hmm. probably one that 
ends up not being necessarily great, but I am I am really there's a there's a handful of these, uh, and I, even though I would argue that we could then get into the whole like, is Ghostbusters. Yes, you know what? Screw it. It is that trailer. I thought looked great. I am really looking right. forward to that movie as well. I agree. Yeah, yeah. The it, listeners had 17 films that scored enough points to wow. make it to their most wow. anticipated. Their top two most anticipated were Antlers and Halloween Kill Kills. Yes, uh, those those were the winners. Uh, number three uh, would have been Candyman. Uh, then The Lodge. Oh the yeah, the lodge. I forgot about The Lodge. Uh, yeah. The Lodge is another one on my list too. Yep. I mean, having seen The Lodge, I wouldn't be as anticipating as much as some of these other ones. <laughs> <laughs> just saying i liked it but you know i mean i hope the, these other ones are a lot better than it from yeah. um the next one is a tie between uh the grudge and the invisible man mm. then we have the last night in soho which i hadn't mm. seen anything about yet oh, Edgar fantasy, fantasy island oh yeah um, yeah, yeah yeah the next one is a tie between antebellum and army of the dead and color out of space oh and the yeah Con- the richard stanley one yeah Rap and the conjuring the devil made me do it and gretel and hansel mm-hmm. and malignant and new mutants and a quiet place too and the turning and underwater nice wow that's a good list yeah, yeah that is yeah. A good i list. hope by that i hope by this time next year or, you know many of those movies will be in my top 10 <laughs> yeah me too yeah i have hopes for a quiet place too despite the original writers not returning yeah right. Thank you to everyone who participated in this special episode. You guys want to tell everybody where they can find you online? Wolfman? Find me on social media at Icarus Arts. I'm on Twitter mostly, also on Letterboxd pretty frequently, Um, and then Instagram and Facebook. All right, Dave, where can they find you online? Uh, Well, one thing I really wanted to mention is that I now have a YouTube channel. Um, if anybody is curious as to what I look like, uh, there are some videos out there where I'm, you know, you, you get to see me, uh, if to find the YouTube channel, it's one of these crazy URLs. I can't read it off here. Uh, you can go out to my Twitter at DVD infatuation. You can find the link to it there. Um, and also it, uh, will be in the show notes for this episode. I'm going to send it over to, uh, to Josh to be included in the show notes, but, uh, yeah, I have a YouTube channel. Definitely check it out. I go over different things, um, from my uh, DVD collection to, um, general movie memorabilia and thoughts and whatnot. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, also obviously, uh, DVD infatuation.com, my blog, uh, also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, letterboxd other podcasts uh pretty soon hopefully the uh the gods and monsters cast universal monsters cast with the invisible man coming out and of course uh land of the creeps with uh uh greg amortis haddonfield hatchet bill van vagel and uh everybody else who joins us and you can find that at land of the yeah, and I, I want to second that because I've watched, I think, pretty much at this point, almost all the videos you've had uploaded and that you're doing a great job. And I really enjoyed getting to see the behind the scenes, you pulling back the curtain, so to speak, of your collection is uh, really cool to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm a much better standing with my wife now that those videos exist. <laughs> <laughs> see, honey, see? <laughs> right, yep, there you go. 
and I can be found on, of course, Metro Movie Geek and uh, Gods and Monsters, the Universal Monsters podcast, uh, and all those great places. I do. I well, I guess kind of will have a YouTube channel if we ever do a, a YouTube streaming situation. I do have. I do. I am on YouTube, but I do not have a channel where you will see my my bald mug. <laughs> Yeah, showing you my my rather unimpressive collection uh, <laughs> of of Blu-rays. Uh, not that I'm comparing myself today, because that would be a exercise in futility. But I, uh, yeah. So find me in those places and uh, check it out. So that's it for this episode. We love reading and responding to your comments, so we hope you'll get involved in the horror movie podcast community. It's a wonderful group of people. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com where you can find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at horrormoviecast. If you'd like to support Horror Movie Podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcast. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And be sure to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com forward slash store. You can also become a patron of Movie Podcast Network for only $2.50 a month. Be sure to check it out at patreon.com forward slash moviepodcastnetwork. We want to thank singer-songwriter Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. And that's it for this episode. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode, when we'll be covering our top 10 horror movies of the 1980s. Thank you for joining us for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Okay, it's time to give a massive shout out to Sean Taylor. Kanakamali, brother living on the mainland. He's been an HMP listener for quite a while now, and he very graciously donated a huge amount of DVDs to one of our lucky listeners tonight who submitted their top 10 list. So, Sean has been pulling the DVD out of all of his Blu-ray DVD combo packs and putting them in a case logic for us. I think he said he was up to around 61 discs last I checked. And he is going to mail that out to one lucky listener. So we are going to do a little drawing here to see who gets that prize. And the winner of the Sean Taylor Case Logic for submitting their listener list to the Horror Movie Podcast Top 10 Horror Movies of 2019 episode is Mark Cunningham. Mark, send us your mailing address to horrormoviecast at gmail.com and I believe Sean will ship those to you directly. Thank you to Mark for submitting your list. Thank you all for submitting your lists. Please come and leave your individual lists at horrormoviepodcast.com in the show notes for this episode. Big mahalo to Sean Taylor. We love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for that very kind donation. Thankfully, not too many bloopers for this episode, but I guess here, enjoy what there is. And, and there are the two horror movies this year that I, I'm thinking, boy, I'd like to sit down and just sort of watch with the family because I think everybody mm-hmm. would have a good time yep. watching it. Mm-hmm. It's Ready or Not and Crawl. Yep. They're yep. the two. Yes. Yeah. And they're, and they're two of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Us was my number one for a long time. 
And then Crawl came around. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and as much as I love us, you know, it is overly complicated in a lot of ways. Like if you're going to, you know, like really start digging in, uh-huh. into it. And my personal favorite, though, is just that simple design. It's the Halloween model, man. Just almost like just an urban legend is simple. Just simple and, and mean and down and dirty and just great. Oh, so much fun. So for me, Crawl, number one. By the way, I'm going to change it to how about unapologetic pleasure? There you go. Or are all of your so that there's there's nothing to distinguish it between your regular unapologetic pleasures. So. Okay, how about how about unrepentant unrepentant pleasure? Well, what's the difference between that and just a regular pleasure? Well, yeah, what you should probably say is your your unapologetic guilty pleasure. How about this? I am not guilty for liking the movies I like, and therefore, right? <laughs> how about right. the? But I, there is there is something that sets it apart, though, right? I yeah. mean, a little bit, right? Although, although I, I guess you could make the argument after my all my mea culpas about crawl is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> Seems right. marginally hypocritical. Okay, fine. I'll call it guilty pleasure of 2019. Uh, uh, there you go. Or as I'm calling it, which I love that Josh included this in the script. Or as I'm calling it, my unrepentant pleasure. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of twisted, like soft, like softcore dark erotica involving like you know people, like like members of like you know I don't know members of like a certain like a church or something. Unrepentant pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> just getting Catholic documentaries. Joel's, Joel's, Joel's journeys into the dark web. <laughs> exactly, it sounds like the title of a Catholic priest documentary. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun themed episodes. I'm just going to go through the year here, month by month. In January, we had our top ten horror movies of 2018, followed by our Winter with Stephen King episode part two, which featured Storm of the Century and Dreamcatcher. That was Jay's last episode on the show, which came as a surprise right as I was starting to cover the Sundance Film Festival. Luckily, Joel hopped in and helped us out there. I was also joined on that episode by Kagan and William Rowan Jr. Up next, we had the Horror Cinema Awards, which was a huge labor of love to organize that and get that done. Then we had our Women in Horror Month episode for 2019, as well as Gil Manjol's Top 10 Horror Movies of All Time list. On that episode, we had special guest Natasha from Fangoria join us. That was a lot of fun. And ended kind of bittersweet with Jay of the Dead's Farewell. Then we did our St. Patrick's Day horror episode, Blood Runs Green, where we did the Leprechaun franchise, kind of a franchise overview, as well as feature reviews of Leprechaun 1993 and Leprechaun Returns 2018. Plus more talk about the hole in the ground. Then we had one of my very favorite episodes of the year, our African-American representation in horror part one. That was a review of Jordan Peele's Us, as well as Horror Noir, the history of black horror documentary. And joining us on that episode was our good friend Ash to Ashes from Kill the Dead podcast, as well as Ashley Blackwell of GraveyardShiftSisters.com. Ashley was also the writer-producer of Horror Noir. And that was followed by one of my other very favorite episodes, the one that made me a believer in Pet Cemetery. It's our Pet Cemetery Versus episode where we talked about the 1989 original versus the 2019 remake and had an interview with screenwriter Matt Greenberg. Then we did something kind of fun. We did two listener pick episodes right in a row. We call those At Your Mercy. Episode 173 and 174 were... At Your Mercy episodes, we covered four films on each of those episodes. Then we did our mega, let's call it our monster Godzilla franchise overview on episode 175. 
where we covered the new film Godzilla King of the Monsters and talked about basically every single entry in the Godzilla canon. That was crazy. We had our annual Shark Attack episode for 177. We did the Highway of Horrors episode for 178. That was where we reviewed The Hitcher and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we did that as a tribute to Rucker Hauer, who had passed away. We finally did our Tiny Terrors episode that was a year in the making. In the month of October, we had 30 written reviews, many of those from listeners of Horror Movie Podcasts. We'd like to thank all of the people who helped us out with their written reviews, from Sal to Pastor Matt to Taylor Sacco, Maurice Jones, Bill Von Vagel, Sean Gorman, Dr. Acula, the great Peter Nielsen, the Gray Man, and of course, Dr. Shock batting cleanup for us. October is also when we did our top 10 episodes with the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Those were a blast. Then we did our zombie comedy episode. That was a lot of fun. The Zomcom Phenomenon on episode 186. We had feature reviews of 2019 films Zombieland Double Tap, Little Monsters, One Cut of the Dead, The Dead Don't Die, as well as a post-mortem review of Anna and the Apocalypse. Amazing episode, if I'm allowed to say that. And then we finished it up with their most controversial episode of the year, Black Christmas 1974 versus Black Christmas 2006 versus Black Christmas 2019. It was a blast. We also got to revisit our love for Red Christmas with the documentary Horror Noir, A Low Budget Nightmare. It was quite a year, and we thank you all so much sincerely for joining us on that ride. We have much more fun to come in 2020, and we hope you will stick with us. We promise to do our best to make it worth your while. We're bringing everything we got every episode here on Horror Movie Podcast. We're dead serious about horror movies. (laughs) 